Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Northern Wind Fantasy Podcast. My name is Zach. I'm Jake. And I'm Steve. And we're here today to talk about episode five of The Wheel of Time, entitled Blood Calls Blood. Great title. And what does that mean for the episode? Do you understand that? It's a chapter title from The Great Hunt. Uh, it would probably be spoilery to fully explain it. Okay, cool. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I saw like Jake's initial reaction to this wasn't like he wasn't like a stoked, but um, I don't know. Did that did that change for you on the rewatch? I liked it a good bit more on the rewatch. I think that's true almost every time I've rewatched these episodes. I've enjoyed it more the second time. Yeah, there's all there's a lot of details happening in the background that I think you do need to do a rewatch to like really absorb all of them. Couple new characters, couple of characters we haven't seen in a while came back. Yeah, I was. Most people probably aren't. I guess that's good that it has rewatchability, and I like noticing those little things. And I that's, that's something I like about books is that on the second time you read it, you catch a lot more of that stuff. But I don't know how effective that is in a show. Or, or casual watchers going back and watching these episodes twice. No, but that's why we're here. Yeah, and I mean, like, when you listen to Dread. us, we've read this whole series, and I think reading this, like, not only do we know what's going on, but Robert Jordan, the way he wrote, had a lot of foreshadowing, so we t- we tend to notice details that they're purposely throwing in, um, so I, I don't think that's a spoiler, but you, you should pay attention to details when you're watching this show, because things are going to come back. Yeah, just <clears> like Game of Thrones, you know, there was a lot of things going on all the time that will help you keep track of uh, the plot and the characters and the small details are there and they really bring the show to another level when you're keeping track of all of them. Yeah. So uh, we got Loyal this episode. Uh, he's a wonderful character. Yeah, like, Loyal was a lot of fun. The acting was pretty spot on. Yeah. Well, let's get into Perrin and Egwene. Yeah, uh, we're going to do the same format as last time. We're going to break the uh, show into a couple different plots and cover them one at a time. Uh, yeah, and this is only show spoilers, so if you haven't seen the episode, then maybe you should go watch it before you listen to this. Uh, but we're not going to get into book spoilers unless Jake does accidentally, and we'll cut that out. I will. <laughs> All right, so the first one we want to talk about here is Matt and Perrin. Is that, sorry? Perrin and Egwene. Egwene and Perrin, yeah. So they're they're hanging out with some tinkers here when we first meet them, right? They're they're on a wagon train, headed towards Tarvalon. Yeah, yeah. Perrin and uh, Aram are together, and Perrin is basically asking why the dogs are allowed to kill creatures and eat them. Um, and I forgot to look up what kind of dogs those are again. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure either. We'll have that for next episode for sure. <laughs> if any of our three <laughs> listeners knows what kind of dogs those are, tweeted at us at Three Rivers Boys. Um, and Arm just kind of, I don't really like his answer. He just says, like, that's how life is. And then, uh, Perrin makes a joke about how he's done eating, uh, turnip curry and he's going to eat those animals soon. Yeah. Are the Tinkers vegetarian? Is that like what they're implying here? I think so. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think that's true. In the, I don't remember if it was or not. I think like if somebody gives them meat <coughs> or something, they'll eat it. They're just not like willing to kill an animal to eat it. Yeah, that could be true. So yeah, they're uh, they're moving down the road here. 
uh, joking and smoking pretty much. And all of a sudden, things come to a halt, and we see white cloaks are up at the head of the column here. I think right before this, we see one of these stones that they keep walking past, one of these carved kind of pillars. With the calligraphy on it? With the calligraphy on it, yeah. Yeah, I think these are just way markers. I don't know if there's anything that important to them. It seems like they're all around the White Tower forming some sort of boundary or something. That's what I have going on in my mind, that these are like warded or something, and this is the the barrier. That would be new to the show, I think. Uh, Yeah, that's not in the books. Yeah, so uh, then we catch up. And we see that these uh, white cloaks are checking around looking for Logan. basically. They know that there's some sisters that were out there hunting him down, so they are hunting the hunters, you could say. And while they're talking to the people in charge at the front of the column, the Emmanvaldo like happens to glance to the side and see uh, Perrin and Egwene standing there. And then they suspicious, suspiciously hide immediately. Instead of, well, I think it was pretty obvious the jig is up when he like pointed directly at them. Yeah. yeah. They don't know why he wants them, but it's obviously not a good thing. Well, Moraine has already explained that these guys are bad. <clears throat> yeah. And we've seen them be bad. Mm-hmm. So uh, they run off through the woods. Yeah, and then the tinkers stand arm to arm and say, like, you'll never get through us. And they're like, yes, we will. How did you guys feel about this scene? Um, it was a little clunky. Part of me wants to like it. I did like it. I think they played up the dialogue about the way of the leaf and the way of the light like a little bit too much. That didn't really seem like a that, natural conversation. I think that's like, kind of the whole show. It's a little corny, but I like it. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I I didn't get any emotional pull from it that i think that maybe the showrunners wanted me to yeah same i saw daniel green say this and i felt the same way but at first i thought it was like gonna work like i thought the white cloaks were gonna be like oh we can't get to them because they're standing in front of them (laughs) you know what i mean they just start beating the shit out of everybody (laughs) yeah and i was like okay that's good (laughs) yeah they suck our uh arm does say that the white cloaks wouldn't kill tinkers they don't have to i mean it's just like yeah, just beat them up, get out of the way. Just push them out of the way, yeah. and they're done. <laughs> yeah, and so we see all three of them, Aram, Aaron, and Egwene, run off, and they run past some, like, uh, sandstone sculptures of heads. Yeah, um, these things are weird, huh? Yeah, I mean, they look funky. I don't know what they're supposed to be, but, you know, it's it's definitely some world building. Yeah, some weird ruins. And then, uh, then, then they get caught by some white cloaks on horses, some cavalry riders. Yeah, uh, they find out the hard way that horses are pretty fast and super sneaky. Everybody knows how sneaky horses <laughs> are. They tiptoe. I can kind of buy it if they're like full on panicking that they didn't like hear the horse coming up behind them. Okay. Yeah, I mean, horses shake the ground when they're near you. Yeah, so. they're super loud. Well, I mean, if you're running at like full speed, also, you're probably not going to notice that. True, true. Well, um, arm goes down pretty easily. I would because I have the hearing of a wolf. <laughs> um, so we got this scene in one of the teasers too, right? Arm laying on the ground. And... I think it was a promo photo or something, but we've seen it before. Yeah. yeah. Oh, here it is. They got captured. <laughs> we got a lot of promo footage in this episode, actually. True. Yeah, a lot of the shots of Tarvalin were in like trailers and teasers and stuff. The shot of Steppen crying with the ring. Yeah. Which is nice. That means the next 
three episodes are three. Yeah, three episodes are going to be like pretty much all new yeah. stuff to us. Yeah. Okay, so uh, the next time we see Egwene and Perrin, they are in a white cloak tent. In Valda's tent. Oh, sorry. The next time we see them, they're giving Egwene this like oh, Rambo yeah. style sh- like shower. That is what it made me think of. Yeah, the beginning of Rambo. Yeah. When the cops like bring him in and like hose him off with the fire hose. They're like, he needs a shower. Yeah, it was very cringy. They we were talking about emotional response with the show runners, runners want. This made me feel creepy. It made my skin crawl. Yeah, I, I feel like, like that every time these people are on screen, dude. The white cloaks are just like so creepy and they make me uncomfortable like every time they talk. <laughs> I wish there was more of them. I keep saying that, but there's there's just like not enough of them. I want to see a hundred white more people on screen. Mean, yeah. it, it, we only ever see like freaking a dozen at a time. This is supposed to be like a huge cavalry. Yeah, I mean, I army. definitely wouldn't assume that this is like all of them. I mean, they are questioners, but also like, where are the servants? I mean, it 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 hasn't. They've shown the servants. There was like a little boy that brought that bird thing it happens i remember that one servant's act i think in well there were like a whole bunch of them like he picked it up from like a cook tent where there were like chefs like that's true i just think in general there's not enough people in this show and i I, you've said before zach that that has a lot to do with covid and i'm okay with that i hope that changes in the future yeah i think we saw a lot of people like in tarval and there were like people all over the streets and everything that was pretty good that was the most yeah populated thing we've seen really yeah um, yeah, so they are inside Valda's tent, and he's eating uh, birds again, and he starts talking to Egoyne like he knows she's a nice guy, and she tells the truth. Yeah, I guess we were trying to figure out why he knows this. Like, he seems, like, absolutely sure that she can channel, but also that she's not good at it because he, like takes a pretty big risk by letting her try to channel at him (laughs) yeah true yeah right like he could have died very easily there (laughs) if she was a legit ice to die yeah there's some confusing motivations going on here well it's arrogance at this point because he's been successful i mean he's killed a lot of ice to die at this point yeah it's true i do like the dialogue he gives about like uh what he's learned from some of these eyes to die that he's pretty obviously tortured that they don't actually need to move their hands. Yeah. We've seen this in action uh, in the show already with uh, Nynaeve channeling to save everybody at the end of the last episode. She had her hands just like on land the whole time, I think. And, And Logan also had like very minimal movements with his channeling, if any. But then you see the opposite of that with like Moraine, who's doing some pretty big movements. Yeah, these well, the whole Aes Sedai together are doing like synchronized swimming practically. Yeah, and they... <laughs> for the stilling. Yeah, and I, I think we could go into that farther in the book spoilers part of the show. Um, but you know, the Aes Sedai aren't as capable as they think they are sometimes, or as they could be. I would say they probably are compared to like everybody else around them but they also like are not all that shit that they think they are right they're very complacent i would say arrogant so uh valda has Egwene and perrin in his little torture tent here and his plan is to torture perrin and force nynaeve to channel if she can 
to save him. And his, he says he's either gonna kill her and, or kill her and Perrin can leave, or he's gonna kill Perrin and she can leave. To enter, only one can leave. <laughs> he also made it apparent that he was like, I could have just cut your hands off if I wanted to. Yeah, which is like what that chair was definitely designed to do. Like, yeah, I don't you, think I noticed that at first, but. Oh, there's definitely like hatchet marks on it. Yeah. That and the blood on the thing. Yeah, there's blood on the rope. And that's, I just don't get why. Yeah, I don't get why he thinks she can channel, but isn't afraid of it. I mean. Maybe he wants to be right. He must know she's a baby channeler. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Somehow. Well, he does. He did, I don't know if he does know because he says like, he's like, well, I mean, I don't know, but I will kill your friend if you don't channel. Yeah. So. Yeah. Maybe we just want him to have some superior motive, but he, Volta seems stupid. He may be putting too much stock in the three O's, I guess. But he says right away, I know you're not a nice guy. Yeah, he guy. establishes that she's not under the three O's. And this is interesting because yeah. I think a lot in the book, the White Cloaks don't even believe in the three O's. So it's interesting that Valda does. Well, he doesn't. He's not convinced that she doesn't have the three O's until she lies to him. And then he's like, oh, you just lied to me, so you're not a nice guy. Yeah, okay. No, she tells the truth. She says, I am yeah, not I an Aes Sedai, and an Aes Sedai could not say that. And he says, I can't channel. Mm-hmm. She says that, too. Which is a lie. Yeah, they're both yeah. lies. Well, they're not both lies. She's not an Aes Sedai. She's not an Aes Sedai. That's true. Um, so he starts, you know, choppy-chopping parents back. Huh? Parents, like, bent over this freaking torture contraption thing. Yeah, he's making, like, a tic-tac-toe board on parents' back with a knife. At first, I thought he was, like, skinning pieces off of him. I was, like, really cringing. Not that the tic-tac-toe board's any better, I guess, but... <laughs> Bruce Bolton is, like, hiding in the background. Yeah, Tam. yeah. Tam off the board's, like, watching. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so do you think this is, like, a routine thing for them that they usually, like, torture warders into, like exposing their eyes to die yeah because it seems like they have this like set up like they expected it to play out yeah this is i I mean i don't know how often he tortures warders specifically but this guy definitely is torturing people like all the time yeah i mean that's like his job as a questionnaire but it seems like this like the rack and chair that he has set up is like almost perfectly designed for this he's warder eyes to die situation he's done this before yeah i agree Something that sucks for Perrin is that he has not taken a shower since he killed his wife, and they didn't even give him that, <laughs> which they gave to Egwene. So he still basically has blood on his hands. That's crazy. And then, then Valda gives him a couple of cuts, and he leaves, and we get Perrin confessing. Yeah, that's a good transition, Steve, to the to Perrin's guilt over killing Layla. Yeah, I thought he did a great job. Like yeah, Man, this guy's such a good actor. Egwene is the first person he's told about it. Uh, nobody else knows. So that probably is cathartic to him in some way, but he still feels like he deserves to die. He's at a low. <laughs> he's at maybe the lowest he's been this whole series. Yeah, so uh, Valda comes back in, and... He's like, well, if you haven't made a decision yet, I can just like keep cutting parents back until he bleeds out. He says, he says, no decision is a decision. That made me hate him. Yeah, that's that's like a rush quote, I think. Oh yeah. If you choose not to decide, you still have made a choice. <laughs> Excellent. 
Oh man, I thought I was in a concert. Yeah, so this guy sucks, huh? He's he's and I, I dude, this little like shirtless outfit he has on, and he's kind yeah. of a squirrely little guy too. I really hate him. <laughs> he's super punchable. Yeah. His movements are really like Is it even a vest? What do you call that? I don't know. It's a tunic, I suppose. What an ass. He is totally an ass. And then, like, uh, I, I guess like... we should mention the yellow eyes thing. Like, we saw that happen oh, yeah. both times. Perrin is getting the knife uh, when he's like in extreme moments of duress. His oh, eyes, like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. we. I made a joke that Volta was actually outside the tent howling like a wolf. Yeah, like a creep. Yeah. So uh, Perrin has golden eyes. Those cuts were gruesome. Like I, I kind of flinched when we rewashed it because yeah, the the skin was definitely doing what it does when it's cut. It like kind of stretches and separates. Yeah. Oof. The second time I could almost see that they had like a back rig on him, like a a fake back. Like his back line didn't look quite normal. Like mm. I think he was actually cutting like a piece of you know like some sort of leather or meat something. Skin. like yeah meat simulation ballistic gel or some shit like that. You know. <laughs> Because it did look really good. Oh, yeah, the wine on the blade. That yeah. didn't make any sense. No. I don't know what that was supposed to be. I mean, be. I'm sure it's supposed to be like a sanitation thing, but the wine doesn't have a high enough alcohol content. To... And he's killing this guy anyhow, so like, why does he care if yeah. it's sanitized? I guess it was just dramatic. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's poison. This guy definitely has a dramatic flair to him. Oh, definitely. He's a performer. The light has brought you to me twice. Yeah, so he goes on. I think it's also important to mention this big speech that he does too about how uh, they the white cloaks believe that any kind of channeling is like blasphemous, almost like that's too much power for us literally mortals to hold. It's only meant for the creator. So anybody who channels is automatically evil. Yeah, and that's why they hunt down these eyes to die. Well, after we get yellow eyes, he gets a little more cutting, and oh, Egwene channels. That's what happens. Yeah, she uh, at first tries to like pull the knife with weaves of air, like over to her, so she can like use it to free herself, and that doesn't work. Uh, so when Volta comes back, she tries to shoot him with the fireball, and that doesn't work either. Uh, I almost thought that was like intentionally a distraction so that she could burn the ropes off Perrin's hands. Yeah, maybe I could see that. That she just did this like little. It seemed like she tried. She was like, I'm going to murder him and it didn't work. Okay. <laughs> I think this is good to show her like being super weak, though, because with Nynaeve, you almost get the sense that these characters can just automatically do all these things. It's just like an on off switch. Like, yeah. No, they need training. Channeling is hard, and most people have to be taught how to do it for, like, years and years before they're, like, doing something like we saw Moraine do. And even if you can use it, it's really dangerous if you don't know what you're doing. You can really hurt yourself. So yeah, exactly. You need training for this stuff. And then uh, Valda says, Light, help me. <laughs> yeah, so she channels the ropes apart. She burns the ropes off a parent's wrists. And he stands up and Volta looks into his golden eyes and is like, what the fuck are you? And drops his knife and then Nynaeve shanks him from behind. Aaron's kind of making a noise like that weird kid in elementary school yeah. who got growls at you whenever he's angry. <laughs> yeah, he's like straight mongoloid mode. He's coming at him. It's vicious. 
This part, I think, was the weirdest action part, like of the series. He's, it's almost like Frankenstein. He's like, mm. yeah. And then the wolves are there, just like ripping everybody's throats out. Yeah, that was pretty cheesy, huh? Yeah, I mean, as far as like wolf stunts go, that's like I guess what most of them look like. Like how in Jeremiah Johnson, they're just like throwing <laughs> fake wolves from off screen. Have you ever seen how they did that? Yeah. I don't remember that. We watched uh, Conan the Barbarian too, and we watched the scene where Conan's dad gets like torn apart by dogs, and it's like just a dummy with like two wolves like playing yeah. tug of war. <laughs> Excellent. But yeah, I mean, it wasn't great looking, but I don't think it was like even in the bottom half of dog attack scenes that I've seen in TV and film. True, and if like it it needed to be not a lot of work going into this episode, maybe like in later episodes we're gonna get some like really good action. So I think the only way they could have done it better is if they CGI'd the whole thing, and that's just like way too much money for this short scene. It exactly, be worth it. And he just like walks up to the horses, and the wolf's like, "Yeah, take the horses, get." <laughs> I've seen a lot of people complaining about the wolves themselves in this show too, that they're like too small. Like this is kind of just like what wolves look like, dude. I don't think they look like wolves. I think they look like dogs. I was kind of disappointed with how the wolves look too. Yeah. Well, I'm like, oh, there's a husky. I most mean, likely are dogs. <laughs> yeah, I know, but like a lot of times they're like kind of. Were you expecting like a dire wolf? Wolf hybrid, like I don't know. Wolves those, are huge. They're like 150 pounds. Those those dogs look more like wolves in in that show. And in other things that I've seen, I feel like. I don't know. I guess we'll see. I can it, I can relate to the wolf complaint. I think this show is just like good enough that I don't it definitely doesn't hang me up. No, and like I, I'm enjoying this. I'm just Yeah. Telling you, you how I feel. I got a lot of like Star Trek vibes from this. Like I'm a big Star Trek fan, so that that should be taken as a compliment, I think. Uh like the effects are not always the greatest, but they're always like believable enough that I don't like get taken out of the show. Yeah, yeah, it, I'm it, having fun watching it. It's it feels like show. a TV show, right? It's yeah, it's a, yeah, it's television. Doesn't feel like a, a theatrical thing where large buildups and climaxes. We do get many climaxes. I but. can I can forgive all these small visual gripes because there's so much great world building and acting and you know other things that matter a lot more. Yeah, and that's what always pulls me back in Star Trek, even if there are some like wonky effects, is like usually whatever's going you on. You have Patrick Stewart like delivering an awesome like monologue or something like right after it and you're like, "Oh man, this show's great." And there's something really cool happening, you know? They're on some world that's fascinating and it's it's not really about the effects, it's the storytelling. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and I'm cool with that. I, w- I would be here for this if it was just Tom Marilyn like telling the story in a common room. Same. <laughs> Same. I hope we get some of that. And they're throwing us a lot of bones as book readers, man. Like, they're, oh, yeah. I, I think they're being a book reader and watching this is so rewarding. It is. Uh, let's get on to the second plot point, though. I think we've, we're at the end of Egwene and Perrin. Yeah. Something we didn't say, though, was that at the beginning of this episode, uh, after the funeral, we jump a time forward a month. So that's why everybody's at Tarvalin, uh, because they've been on the road for a month. Does it say that? Yeah. Yeah, there's like a title card thing that says like one month later. It happens right after the funeral. It says one month later. Oh, okay. 
which is great. I love, I hate when TV shows don't do that and they just expect you to figure it out. It was funny. Zach asked for online predictions on the Twitter account and my prediction was like to not be in Tarvalin. And then the show is like immediately in Tarvalin. <laughs> I was like, well, got that one wrong. <laughs> All right. That was like a cheating question because I'd seen them in Tarval and like in the episode trailer. Oh, you suck. <laughs> All right. So uh, the next major plot line would be Matt and Rand. We catch up with Matt and Rand and they're walking down this dirt road. Uh, it seems like they're in with like a bunch of refugees, maybe. Yeah, they said people definitely have refugee vibes to me. They don't look like traitors or anything. They don't have enough stuff. Yeah, they're all like families. Yeah, yeah some of them had wagons, but yeah, there's kids coming with them. Right. Out. I would imagine these are refugees from Gildon, where Loghain has been waging war. And that would make sense because yeah. uh, of the time jump forward with a month that these people have had time to travel towards Starvala. Yeah. So uh, we see Tarvalon off in the distance as they're walking down the road, and we also see that Matt is not exactly hunky-dory right now. He is not looking good. This man is sick. I think the way we watched it, like, it shows Rand first, and we were like, man, Rand isn't looking good. And then we were like, man, Matt is looking much worse. Oh, I thought, (laughs) oh, look how handsome Rand is. Yeah, I thought Rand looked great. What a handsome boy. He's got, like, dirt and shit all over him still. Eh. His face has a little bit of dirt. Okay. It's almost like impossible to notice because of how handsome he is. <laughs> I, I think Matt it just and, makes him look more rugged. Every time I see this kid, I'm like, that is Rand. He yeah. looks just like I pictured him. Especially Are in his you? green cloak like this, dude. He looks exactly like fan art that I would look at like yeah. when I was reading the books. Look at this giant ginger. <laughs> I, I think that this duo, um, maybe trio if you count loyal, was the best acting in the episode. I know that Lan had some good moments, but yeah. I, I really liked Rand and Madness. Yeah, I think as far as character goes, this was my favorite for sure. I don't know that a lot like happened in this plot line, but it kind of did. It was just like... Well, we meet Loyal, which is a pretty big deal. Yeah, uh, let's just get back to going through it sequentially. Yeah, so Matt slaps a kid for being close. <laughs> An appropriate response, in my opinion. What else are you going to do? But he also swore at him, which was mean. Well, he cut himself off. He didn't say the whole word. Yeah. Have we gotten much of that? Like swearing? actual swearing? Mm-hmm. No, not really. I think Matt said, like, shit and piss and things like that. I said in a different episode, are I you think, out? that this is, like, PG-13. Out of your fucking to... mind? Did he say that? Are you no. out of your mind? He said, are you completely out of your mind? Mm-hmm. I don't think I've heard any F. Well, well, the reason I say that is because he's, they say blood and ashes when they walk into the city. And that's, that's huge. That, that's something we hear in this series a lot. Yeah. But it's a curse. Yeah, there's like in-world swearing. It's one of the fun things about the Wheel of Time books. And a lot of fantasy books. So this is the first real look. Well, actually, before we see the city, we see the mountain. Wow. Uh, this is the big ass mountain beside behind Tarvalin. Uh, can we say the name of the yeah. mountain? Well, if you pause <laughs> while you're watching it, it says it's Dragon Mount. Okay, yeah, this is called Dragon Mount, which, uh, yeah, Dragon, Dragon Mount. This, there's a connection there for, to be made. And if any listeners didn't know, you can pause the episodes on Prime and it'll tell you about the actors and it'll also sometimes tell you about the world. Like yeah. it, it'll give you a Dragon Mount description. The Prime bonus features are really cool. 
So this is like a big ass volcano. This is the biggest mountain in the world for uh, this setting. I think it's supposed to be like 60,000 feet high or something like that. Yeah, it's bonkers. Mount Everest in comparison is about half of that. Yeah. And this is, I I mean, you were asking about like how much can we talk about it. I think the whole thing of what the the history behind Dragon Mount, because it tells you if you pause it, unless do you not want to go into the extra content? Is that in one of the animated shorts too i guess as long as it's available to show watchers we can talk about it like that's part of the show sure well i didn't want to go too far into it but a man got uh upset because he killed his whole family and then he made dragon mount the dragon did that yeah (laughs) that's why it's called dragon mount so uh rand remarks that uh he see he feels some kind of memory about this mountain uh, it's familiar to him, but he can't quite put a finger on it. Uh, I guess that's all we want to say there. So the next shot is of Tarvalin in the middle of the river. And we see the White Tower, like, in person. So that was pretty cool. We see one of the harbors. I mean, I don't know if it's North Harbor or South Harbor, but this looks just like the map from the books. I mean, this is the books brought to life. This is fucking bitching. Vagina Island is here. Yeah, this shit is cool. (laughs) Yeah, if you've never seen an aerial view of uh, Tarvalon, or Tarvalon, I gotta start saying it like the show does. Uh yeah, it's shaped like female anatomy. Yeah, which is kind of a joke because that's where the uh, very feminine the female seat of power in the world is. <laughs> right, some symbology there. <laughs> uh, and so they cross a bridge, and we see them go through a gate. They just enter the city pretty easily. Yeah, I mean, it's not like a closed-off city. I know. I'm just saying, like you know, sometimes you think about like wait at the gates, you know, yeah. but people are just allowed to freely come in. Yeah, I guess I expected guards standing there, but not actually stopping people or anything. Uh, just there like were looking for riffraff. There were two people standing there. They okay, didn't, they didn't necessarily look like guards. They kind of just looked like they were employed. <laughs> uh, I loved the way the walls of the city looked and stuff, though. And yeah, these are described as the shining walls of Tarvalin in the books. Yeah. Uh, Tarvalin looked cool. Yeah, it's clean. It looks great. Uh, and the first thing we see is a camel. Yeah. A what? A camel. A camel oh, yeah, yeah. walking a camel the streets. Walking uh, Rand grabs some street food and like takes a bite. And he's like, man, I have no idea what this is, but it's good. I thought that was fun because I love doing that places. Yeah, know, that's trying. like uh, if you've ever like traveled around the world or even just like tried a, yeah. an ethnic delicacy, you might not know exactly what you're eating, but it's pretty good. Yeah, anyhow. I like that. <laughs> I think this scene kind of points out that Rand is better with money than Matt is. I think that's happened a couple of times. Exactly. But, like, yeah. He pays for the food. Matt doesn't want it. Matt doesn't look like he's like changed his underwear. I guess, you know, neither of them have, but uh, he is gross. Yeah, he looks really gross. And Rand points that out. He's like, yeah, we got to get some place to clean up before we go to the White Tower. They're not going to let us in looking like this. And he knows a place that Tom told him about. Yeah. Uh, well, so they're heading to this inn, and we get some whistling, right? And if you're paying hard enough attention, you know that spot on Fink. Well, you see him, too. You see his hand, I thought. Yeah, well, it's like a very distinctive coat sleeve. I it see. It's like a very, like, pattern, like, stitched into it, kind of. Okay. Uh-oh, following us. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, they're getting freshed up in the room, but Matt still looks like absolute shit. 
for those who don't remember, Pot on Fane is the peddler we met in episode one in Emmons Field. And we see him during the battle, uh, kind of just watching and laughs and fucks off. Yeah, good job uh, bringing up who that is. I, I tried to talk about Katie that. She didn't remember who he was either. Yeah. So this guy is, you should be pretty suspicious of him by now. Like, you saw him in the attack on, and it's also not called Evans Field, I guess, in the show. It's the Two Rivers. The Two Rivers. <laughs> so yeah, uh, Winter Night Attack with the Trollocs. Uh, you see this guy kind of like watching it all happen, and then he like strokes his non-existent goatee evilly and like walks off into the well and we know this guy's <laughs> a little nefarious because matt is selling stolen goods to him he's and, a fence and he's just got a creepy smile i mean it's pretty <laughs> obvious this guy is up to no good uh and during this we're getting a drum procession i guess we skipped them they do like go into the their in room and have a talk about... Yeah, we, were, we were just didn't get to that far yet. Oh, okay, okay. We're still talking about seeing Pot on Fane's hand. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, they get into the room and they have a talk. And the subject of the talk is that Matt doesn't remember what happened at the Greenwell farm. And he thinks maybe he did kill that family, but doesn't really remember. And I like that because... We when thought it happens, that as the audience. Right. Yeah. We thought that as the audience. When it happened at first, I was like, oh, shit, did Matt kill these people? And then then you're led to believe it's the Fade. Uh, well, it is the Fade, right? Rand says so. Yeah. So Rand says. And so I think. Yeah, I mean, there wasn't any blood on the dagger, so there right. would have been if he would have killed those people. But there, we're, again, we're getting pointed to that there's something really wrong with Matt. Matt is not having a good time here. Yeah, what that implies is that basically, like, something was controlling his body and he was, like, practically unconscious for that experience. <laughs> yeah. So, bad juju is happening. And do we see Matt climb up on the wall first before Rand goes to the library, or is it the other way around? I think that just, like, ends the scene there, kind of. And then Rand okay. goes to the library. And this convinces Rand even more that Matt is a channeler, right? Rand is seriously thinking right now that Matt... Because Matt's so sick? Yeah. yeah. And because of what Tom told him. Yeah, I think that is the, the implication here. Yeah, we got some mistrust or distrust uh, from Rand when it comes to the Aes Sedai. He's like, I don't know if we should go there. Yeah, uh, and he well should if one of them is supposedly a channeler, like the Aes Sedai or the last people in the world you want to go to because they're just going to like gentle you immediately yeah oh zero fun <laughs> well so then when we come back land goes or land rand goes to the inn's library yeah why does an inn have a library it does in the book i mean okay. there's like a, a reading room yeah just for like travelers to like hang out in kind of and read books while i guess the room does have jane farstrider that's like i think why loyal's there is because this particular inn it has a good library, you know what I mean? That's true. And Tom would come here. Yeah. He would come to a place with stories. Right. So the first shot we get in this library is Rand reading a book called The Creathon Cycle, which is the fancy name for the prophecies of the dragon. Right. This is... Uh, oh, what's the chapter in the Bible that's like the end of the world? Revelation. Yeah, this is Revelations, right? Like Basically, yeah. Yeah, this is kind of spells out the legend for the end of the world. 
Yeah, and makes all the prophecies that the dragon will have to fulfill. Uh, I'm sure we'll learn more about them. There's basically a series of events that the dragon needs to do for everybody to believe that he's the dragon. And right. the Creathon cycle is the document that kind of like lays that out. Yeah, it's the prophecy. Um, And then Loyal walks in. Yeah, and Rand pulls the blade on him. Yeah. <laughs> this is right out of the books, too. He thinks he's a trollic. Most curious thing, they followed me around with knives. <laughs> I almost got up with. Yeah. Uh, I had seen pictures of Loyal before I watched the show, and I was pretty worried about this because I don't. Yeah, he did not look good in the leaks, though. Man, it, it just translates better, like when you watch it, like in motion, I guess. I don't know. Like it, it, it's excellent. It still doesn't look like fantastic to me, but it looks pretty it's good. It's good enough. I'm fine. Yep. I'll go back to Star Trek. I felt like I was looking at Worf or something. Like I know that's like a guy in a suit, but it looks cool. Yeah, right it's now. cool. Yeah. <laughs> to me, it looks real. I mean, he definitely doesn't look like a human because he isn't one. Yeah. Yeah, like his he has like giant feet and his hands are big. And they are doing some camera tricks, I think, to make him look bigger, like ducking through doorways and stuff. Yeah, he's taller. Yeah. Yeah, but, in the, in but the Rain's books, very like, tall. He's like ten feet tall. Yeah, he's not as tall as Nogiri is in the books. Uh but he's definitely still bigger than a normal person. He has these huge hands. They talk about that all the time in the books, how giant his fingers are, you know, so I, that was cool. Yeah, he has to, like, read human-sized books, like, with his couple fingers. Like, yeah. He's, like, looking at a little mini pamphlet or right. something. And, man, we do we get an information dump right after this <laughs> where he says, oh, it is curious that I'm talking to an Ioman. And Rand says, I'm not an Ioman. And then he says, oh, oh, he says, I'm, I'm from the two rivers. I'm from the two rivers. Oh, an Ioman from the two rivers. And he's like, <laughs> he gets excited. He it's goes, like, I'm not an Ioman again. And he goes, an Ioman from the two rivers who doesn't want to admit he's an Ioman. <laughs> How curious. Yeah. Uh, the reason that Little thinks Rand is an Ioman is because of the red hair, which is the signature trait of the Iol. We saw this in episode three when, uh, Matt and Tom were getting that guy, the dead guy in the cage. He was an Ioman, and Tom also remarked on the red hair as the prominent trait of the Iol. And not just prominent, I think Lo pretty much spells it out that basically the only people that have red hair are Iol. Yeah, I was just going to say, he, he very much says, in this world, you can tell where, what culture people are from from their hair Yeah, pretty easily. In that case, with Ioman, mm -hmm. yeah. Especially, no, well, I think what he implies because he no. IDs Egwene by the uh, hairstyle too. Or sorry, Naive, yeah, yeah. That's what he he doesn't say. Ioman or how you distinguish? He says most human cultures can be distinguished by their hair. Okay, probably Ioman more than others though, because of the like bright orange yeah. being like a dead dead giveaway. Yeah, <laughs> and he's tall. Oh. So yeah, this is something that has been brought up twice. Uh, you should probably know that it's going to be important later. Hint. <laughs> For shadowing. Uh, so Rand, I think before he looks out the window, he picks up The Adventures of Jane Farstrider. Is, yes. that, is that the correct title of the book? I don't want to... Yeah. Yeah. I love Jane Farstrider's stories. They're fun. Absolutely. Yeah, this is kind of a fun thing from the books. We just like hear characters like talk about Jane Farstrider like he's this legendary figure. Like from time to time, they're like, oh, we're going to Kyrie. And I remember that chapter in Jane Farstrider's book. Like 
when he went to Kyrie. It? <laughs> yeah, it's got like a real like Huckleberry Finn vibe. Like everybody's read this thing. It's just, you know. Why would it make you feel sad though? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Rand describes how he's feeling about, um, he says a girl, right? Or is it a woman? You humans age so quickly. Hasty. They they really s- spelled some things out in this scene. Yeah, this, I mean, it w- it wasn't like a really offensive to me, but I could tell like, wow, they're just like really making Loyal say like all the characteristics of an ogre in a row right now. Well, <laughs> if you're not ready for this information, Dom, it's a lot to put in your mouth. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I know my wife was a little overwhelmed. She was like, wait, who's this guy? What is this thing? What's happening? Yeah, so let's talk about that, I guess. Since it was so fast, we can break it down and make it easier to understand. So the way I explain it is that they're kind of like the elves, like the Lord of the Ring equivalent of elves in this world almost. Like they're old, wise. Yeah, that's kind of true. Yeah. And they're from a steading, which Rand recognizes and says, oh, you're an ogre. He says, I'm an ogier. Somebody said that they're elves and dwarves together. Yeah, that makes sense. Steve? I mean, I think me I that. think it's kind of silly to try to like peg them as a race from Tolkien. Yeah, I know. They're I'm like, just like they're ogier. They're not elves or dwarves. I mean, there's there's influences, I suppose. Pointy ears, sure. It, but and they're broad shoulders, big people. I don't know. I was more thinking of just like the wisdom and stuff and the way they perceive time and hastiness is kind of like an elvish. Yeah, like, that's definitely true. There there are similarities. A thing that uh Robert Jordan likes to play with is the dis- distortion of information through time and space. So the fact that Rand thinks that he's called an ogre and that's a monster that we all know about. Uh, I think he's like trying to point out here that's like a corruption of the word ogier. That's cool. So like somebody like a thousand miles away like Told knows all about ogier, and then so they played the telephone game yep. like across the miles and miles and miles between where the ogier live and the two rivers. And Rand was like, "Oh, an ogre! I heard they're like made of stone or something." You know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I mean it's rare for him to see something like this or someone like this. I shouldn't say thing. It's he's a person. Well, we learned that it's rare for kind of anybody to see someone like this. Mm-hmm. The people in the town are chasing him. With yeah. They think he's a, a trollic too. Cause they've never seen an ogre before either. They're pretty rare. They like never leave their steading. Yeah. They're very like uh secluded people. I mean, we could get into this in the book. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. yeah. There's a few things I want to talk about in the yeah. spoilers, but uh, so after he kind of Rand explains why the book made him sad, um, Rand looks out the window and sees uh, Matt basically slinking around. Yeah, <laughs> slinking for sure. Well, they hear the drums too. The uh, most lackluster drum playing. The procession. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Rand goes to run down and kind of to see the dragon or the false dragon, but it's obviously because he's trying to help his friend. He's going to go make sure his friend is okay. And this is the first time we like also get like uh Ogier loyal like comedy kinda. Yeah, he's slow. He's like, wait for me to get my things and I'll come with you. I'll be down in just a minute. <laughs> Rand's like, I'll meet you down there, bud. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See ya. <laughs> See ya guy. Yeah. You hasty humans. <laughs> uh does it go right away to the alley? I think so. Yeah, I think so, yeah. And uh we see Pat and Fane again. Yeah, after Matt climbs up on a wall, which he seems to do pretty easily, actually, um, 
he looks down and sees a couple of white cloaked uh, young women, and those are um, novices. Novices uh, of the White Tower. So these are Asadai in training. And I had to rewind at this part, but Pot on Fane is sitting there in an alley, almost like it's like a restaurant booth, I think, kind of. Yeah, it it wasn't unusual that a person mm. was there. It seemed. Um, just because they're they're like it wasn't unusual because there's a procession going down the street, but it, <coughs> I didn't think it was a restaurant or anything. He's like sitting next to a barrel on the ground or something. I thought here I'll, I'll compare it to Dungeons and Dragons. So Matt is a rogue type. He's a very sneaky, thrifty guy, and so is Pot on Fane. Yeah, for sure. So like he's sneaking around in the shadows. Like, uh, don't look at me. Yeah, he's probably trying to sell that bracelet. Definitely trying to be <laughs> inconspicuous. He should sell Matt the bracelet because Matt forgets. <laughs> <laughs> so Matt and Rand sit on this railing here and watch the false dragon get paraded by on his way to the White Tower. Oh, yeah. In the second cage that the Aes Sedai had. Yeah. <laughs> they show Logan like melt this thing to the ground in the last episode. They like, had a spare one, bro. Yeah. This wagon thing is kind of cool, though. Like, the sisters that are shielding him are sitting on it. Yeah, yeah. I do like that. They're not shielding him, though. Maybe that's... Maybe yeah, they did right. have two of them. Maybe they had one that was, like, bolted to that carriage, and they had another one that was, like, mobile storage. Cave one? Yeah, okay. The one for being in caves? Sure. <laughs> this is the cave basket. I think this cave was here. Yeah. So... Yeah, Loghain looks up and has a little bit of a fit. Yeah, I like this a lot. Uh, Alvaro Morte looked pretty fucking crazy. Yeah, he sees our two Rivers boys and kind of starts cackling, huh? Yeah. Matt is not enjoying it. What, <laughs> what does he see? He obviously sees something that he finds pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, funny and surprised. Yeah. He's, he wasn't expecting it, and when he saw it, it just changed him. And then when they cut back to him, he's like just sitting still. I was like, that was a weird cut. But I think they're trying to imply that maybe the camera is an unreliable narrator a little bit. Like, did, did Matt imagine that in his like crazy head or something? I agree. Yeah, I picked that up. And this uh, goes into the end of the scene where Rand says, oh, no, no, no. I'm sorry. Matt says, we got to make a, a pact or a promise. To each other yeah he's like i don't want to ever get like that please don't let me get like that and i'll do the same for you mm -hmm. if one of us is the dragon reborn like moraine thanks well it's a very caring moment for rand looking at his friend in this he's crying rand or uh, matt is crying as he asks this and he's he's defeated he's dirty and he says to rand will you protect me and, and rand says of course and there's like a bit of a pause and Rand says, and you for me. And uh, what does he say? I had that, I had that written down. Uh, you bet. So Rand <laughs> asks if Matt would do the same and he says, you bet. But in, in this like s such a genuine way, I just, I don't know. I really like that. I thought that it was, was a great scene between them too. Really good acting. And you feel for this guy because, like, he feels like shit, but he would still fight for his friend. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, and he also says, you bet, and Matt has a gambling problem. So <laughs> he, he does bet too yeah. much. 
Okay, so the next scene we get, uh, Rand is kind of like talking Matt into bed because he's sick as fuck. And we hear a pounding on the door and Loyal bursts in and <laughs> yeah, just starts fuck? like explaining shit. <laughs> Rand, did you know that Ogre have access to the tower grounds? <laughs> <laughs> like these are like fucking best friends with this dude right now. Have you ever met anybody like that that was just like walks up to you and be like, I'm yeah. attached to you? And yeah. I'm like, I wasn't expecting a companion today. <laughs> He's great, though. This is, I love him. You know, whatever doubts I had about his costume, the character itself is fun and entertaining, and I like him. I'm in love already. He has I re- like three really minutes get- of screen time, and I'm into it. I keep talking about Star Trek with this guy because I feel like he's a perfect amalgamation of like Data and Worf. Yeah, like okay. he, he looks kind of like Worf and he talks kind of like Data. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he does have that like spew data setting. You humans and your emotions. Yeah. So he's like, uh, I found a girl with a braid because a braid is unique to the two rivers and a maturity. Yeah, he's <laughs> explaining Yeah, to Rand. What the braid means. And Rand's just like, oh my god, Nynaeve. <laughs> yeah. We thought you were dead. <laughs> Hurry, Matt is dying. Can you help him? And Loyal's still explaining about a braid. <laughs> so yeah, uh Nynaeve tries to take a look at Matt. She's very honest with him. You look like shit. We get like a scary Bilbo moment, kinda, where he's like, <laughs> my precious. <pleasure. laughs> yeah, he's she goes, she says, let me see your tongue. And he looks gross. <laughs> He's like, no. No, no, don't touch me. <laughs> uh, my tongue's fucking covered in evil. <laughs> it did look like he was going to bite her fingers or something. <laughs> we didn't see the knife this episode, I don't think. No, no we did not. So, uh, so nobody knows he has it yet, right? What do you mean? They've seen it, I guess. I guess. Who? Brand. He was waving it around at the farm and talking. Oh yeah, Rando yeah, saw the, okay, yeah. I guess he just hasn't seen him. Like, I don't know. We can't go too far. They haven't really talked about it at all. Yeah, they're just like right. Leave it at that. So, they they're like, oh, we're in Tarvalin. Probably the Aes Sedai could help Matt uh, recover. They could heal him magically. But Rand still thinks that he's probably like becoming a channeler. So he's like, yeah, we can't take him to the Aes Sedai. They'll fucking kill him, basically. Yeah. And I don't know. This is something I notice um, from watching like a lot of theater or or just like video production is Rand is sitting on a bench and Nynaeve is standing. And a lot of times that's done to show that like Rand is below Nynaeve's position at this point, not necessarily in like leadership kind of way but just maybe rand is low right now mm-hmm. and Nynaeve is not on his level and then she sits down next to him to like reassure him yeah and and like that's a visual thing to okay i'm gonna come down to you rand and i'm gonna speak to you like mm-hmm. um, it's, a, it's a, like really on track for Nynaeve's character she definitely is like a mother hen kind of like chasing her little chickens from the two rivers the whole way is back to Tarvalin. yeah she's the wisdom but this still seems a little out of character well so far because she's getting better at being a vulnerable person where before she tried to be a barking uh don't touch it she's coming down to Rand and saying like hey like we can make this decision together which is 
I feel like this is happening a lot faster in the books oh. or in the show than it did in the books. We're going quick here. Yeah, it's it's going fast. I kind of hated Nynaeve for like a long time in the books. See, you guys told me that, and when I read the books, I just watched the character differently because of that, and right. I, and I didn't like try to hate her. I guess. Yeah, I've had that same experience with characters before that people are yeah because you just. People Even are like, on, I like them later, and you're like, okay, so I'm gonna try and appreciate them now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Even on a reread, like she still is like pretty annoying for the at least the first couple books. <laughs> I didn't think so so much on my reread. She's like, I know better than you. Yeah, <laughs> she can be pretty annoying. She do sometimes, and that's. I wish she was a little more mulish in the first couple episodes. Yeah, I don't think they. I don't think she talked quite enough shit. She's in these like crazy fucking situations where there's like armies attacking and I said <laughs> I like using magic and she's like, no, I, I'm the one who knows best in this situation. <laughs> Everybody's like, I really think we should probably listen to Moraine right now. Yeah, <laughs> she does get into uh, making a mistake this episode, but we can do that. Are we is that the end of Rand Matt? That quote? Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, this when is basically the naive well, yeah, we get the story uh, also about Egwene because Rand is also mm. concerned about Egwene. So Nynaeve relays the story about how when Egwene was a little girl, she caught this bad fever. This made me cry like a baby. Yeah, breakbone fever. It sounds like really brutal. Like basically, your muscles just contract like super hard and snap your bones. Mm. And uh, Egwene survived, even though they thought she wouldn't. So Nynaeve says that Egwene is unbreakable, and no matter what she's into right now, she'll make it through all right. And then we cut to them and find out that's pretty much true, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's the end of it, whenever Egwene's knees don't break backwards. Did you guys try and picture that? That would just be so silly looking. Yeah, breakbone fever is a thing in the books, but it's never really described how it happens. And I, I thought that was a little silly, too. I was like, you could have left that out. That sounds stupid. I don't think that could really happen. I mean, cramps can be very serious, but just imagining somebody. <laughs> That's like, I, I always took it as like, yeah, cramps when they talked about it in the book. Like, it feels like your bones are breaking, but not like your bones literally snapping backwards. But whatever. If any know. of our listeners know if you can physically break your ligaments from not cramps. just your ligaments, bones. She's saying like a knee would bend in the wrong direction from you. I thought it was the back in the books, like your back, like arch back. I can't do that. She said my face away from the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> she said knees and stuff but... in the show. She did. Yeah. yeah, I was talking about in the books. I think it's more of a back thing. But anyhow, that's not really relevant. Yeah. So <laughs> do you want to move on to the next one then? Yeah. Uh, so in this episode, again, Lynn and Maureen and Nynaeve get the main plot line, I think. Like, we get the most time with these characters, and I think, like, the most significant uh, character progression happens in this plot line. Yeah. yeah. This is how the episode opens. You could almost say Lynn is the main character of this episode. I think him and, like, as a consequence, Maureen. Like, th this whole plot line is basically a device, I think. So they're like... They're just setting up what it's like for a warder and an Aes die to have one or the other die so that we know how awful it is and we're afraid of it happening later. Yeah. Also, we're getting a lot of politics uh, that happen with warders and, and uh, Aes Sedai. Yeah. 
like in between all these shots of like the funeral and everything happening there's lots of like lingering scenes of when and marine just like holding hands and being like god i hope we don't have to go through this yeah it it was very supportive there's even a scene with moraine in one of the greens where moraine says that she's heard of a way to break the bond the warder bond and uh she's thinking about doing it because moraine seems to think that she's gonna die soon well i think moraine more than anybody else in this story right now knows that like shit is about to fucking go down the likes of which like nobody has ever witnessed before. <laughs> yeah, we're we're getting a lot of pain and suffering in these episodes, and basically Moraine thinks it's going to be much, much, much worse. <laughs> She's like, You ain't seen nothing yet. Yeah, that's very apt. But you know, I thought that was a great scene with those two. Uh, I said I laying in Moraine's room, kind of spelling out how the water bond works. Barefoot. We're getting not. ahead of ourselves here, though, if we want to go in sure, sequential sure. order. So yeah, yeah. let's get back to the track here. Snow funeral. We're only going to bury these people a few inches. I. Yeah, I don't know why why they did that. And that why was... are these graves seven inches deep? Ah, it's barely that. We I want, don't even. We want them to get eaten by everything. Maybe that's what it is. You go back. It could be. Years. Yeah, I mean. They wrap them in cloth. That is uh, what Moraine says is may the last embrace of the mother carry you home, I think, right? Yeah, which is a Shinaran thing. Yeah, in the book that's specific to a culture that we have not seen yet, but probably will soon. We definitely will soon. It's in the trailer footage. Yeah, we've seen these guys in the in the trailer of the, of the show, so oh, we, yes. know we know they're in season one. Yeah. Oh, there's so much characters coming. <laughs> oh, you better get ready. So, uh, yeah, they put all their casualties in the ground and have a, a solemn funeral thing. Uh, Steppen looks like he's having a rough time about this it. This guy's not having fun. He's He carried her. I really wanted to hate this guy because I just freaking hate the double axe thing, the double hatchet. They took him away this episode. It was like he was a new character. (laughs) His, I mean, his acting the whole time has been great, though. He has a a speech around the fire in the last episode. The one before that, maybe? Episode four. yeah. Yeah, that was that was really good. So. I can't help but like this guy. He's a good actor. We, we find out that he was like a fist fighter, and I'm like, why didn't they give him like, I don't know, knife knuckles or something instead? You know, it's like, <laughs> I don't know. Even because that's another weapon that like doesn't exist, but like yeah. double axes is kind of weird for a punchy guy. Or even just like one of those axes and a shield would have been like, all about dumb. that. Love that. Yeah. yeah. True armor, maybe armor. Okay, nobody has armor in this show except the white cloaks, and it's only on one shoulder. It's the dumbest band. shit I've ever fucking seen. Like, well, I mean, for the warders, they never do wear armor. Yeah, I know. I, they don't? I thought they did. So the only time we see Lan in armor is, like, when he's in full, like, army, like, combat, like, about to fight in a pitched battle mode. Which is pretty historically accurate i don't think they'd wear like plate most of the time yeah armor is like not really something that you would want to wear unless you're like expecting combat i always pictured them with like light armor on with some sort of uh, who doesn't wear chainmail yeah like man i mean he's never described once wearing chainmail while they're like walking around that's fine (laughs) fair well usually you would have it on like you're right i guess they don't really but they would get shot with an arrow out of the woods like no problem i pictured them with some kind of like 
little like uh he's canvasin got... or something. He, he's got Moraine like deflecting arrows with air. He doesn't really need armor that much. True. She can heal him like True. anytime he gets cut. She isn't like a yeah. omnipotent. As like... long as he doesn't get like an arrow straight through the eyeball and die, then he's pretty fine. Yeah. Well, so when Stepan was putting the body down, uh, Stepan stayed a little bit too long with the body and lay and put his hand on his shoulder. So he's his friend. Yeah, I mean, we established in the last episode that these guys go way back together. Land, yeah. Land and step in the Yeah, is. they're cracking jokes around the fire. Yeah, and training together and talking about, like, old times and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the lamest training sequence ever recorded. <laughs> this is also tough. Again, I think it was only lame because the axes are lame. Like, so, if they would have both had katanas, that would have been cool. I don't think this yeah, is spoilers, but, you know, this is uh, PTSD kind of. Uh, from that training sequence i have it too yeah I've heard <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh yes on a real note like i have seen a lot of veterans on twitter like complimenting how well they depict Stepin, like in the throes of ptsd like he he she he just had like i mean it's it, kind of like hard to even imagine like how close these people are bonded Yes. The yeah, they say bond. it's closer than a wife or a child, you know. It's, it's like almost having like a second body that you like. Yeah, you're sharing a soul with someone you're, almost. Yeah, you're, you're almost like one person. That yeah. was an issue I had with this episode is because they use music to try and make you build on that. When when Stefan is telling the story in front of the mirror, the music rises at that moment when he says, and then she bonded me. And it's supposed to be like that moment of like utter... Uh, vulnerability to this woman he's describing and I, I don't like music selling it I don't know but I thought his performance sold it pretty well too the music just added to it really true I that's that's fair yeah you I, comment on the score a lot overall how do you feel about it uh I think it's great this episode didn't have any of that like blues hard rock we were getting before but yeah um well this was a city episode and not a folk episode yeah so yeah I'm okay. not, I'm not it's trying more to, sophisticated and refined I'm not trying to say <laughs> that it was in wrong Tarmalan. it's just I'm liking that we're getting something different it kind of would have yeah. been weird to hear metal while they were walking around in the white tower yeah. in the bazaar sure no boom dun 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 gong gong right, so like, looks at a statue dun 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 Man, we're getting off track more often as we go. <laughs> <laughs> They're burying people. Dun, 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 I don't know dun. about you, but I've been completely on track right we're now. We're about 30 seconds into this plot line. <laughs> no. We've covered like one minute of the show. <laughs> All right, fine. We'll jump a month ahead. <laughs> yeah, we'll catch up a month. Do you okay. remember when we started these? We were like, episode should be 40 minutes. <laughs> They're like, oh, yeah, yeah. I said Dude, 20 minutes. Our episode should be as long as it takes for us to talk about it. Like... <laughs> It's not like we have another show coming on the air like right after right. us that we have to worry about. <laughs> True. <laughs> All right. So we get a card that says one month later, and then they're they're really close to Tarvalon, and we see that we see another one of those posts that you were talking about, Jake, mm -hmm. with the calligraphy. Yeah, they really show them. What are these things? It's very intentional. They show every group going past them. Oh, this is where we get the land fake laugh, where Moraine says something about him being a strong, handsome guy, and he goes. <laughs> He is so handsome. I, I know, but he is so handsome. I think these are just like mile markers that are like, you are approaching Tarvalon. Tar <laughs> Tar Zach is not sold <laughs> on these extremely magical <laughs> rocks. <laughs> I'm telling you. You're five miles away. 
<laughs> it'd be so funny if you could turn on the the old tongues uh, <laughs> it's CC. like it's just an exit route they're like there's a mcdonald's on this exit sheets. stop here for the scenic overlook of <laughs> the city with the mountain behind it white cloaks ahead that's what it's like. <laughs> watch out so uh Let's see where are we at. <laughs> oh, I forgot to mention this earlier. When they go, when the when the tinkers go over that little bridge, I was like, "If this is White Bridge, I'm gonna be so funny." <laughs> <laughs> That's the White Bridge. That's it. Uh, Zach, so the scene I was talking about where Lan does the fake laugh, him and Moraine have a conversation as they're entering Tarvalon that she is going. She says, "I'm gonna find them here," or and she looks upset when she says this, or "I'm gonna find them somewhere else." <laughs> yeah i mean she's definitely like gonna find these people she's not very good it seems like because they're like in tarval tarval the whole time but <laughs> well i mean she already found him but she has to find him again that's all uh-huh, uh-huh. so uh <laughs> we get to tarval and lan and maureen decide that the best thing to do with Nynaeve is to stash her in the water quarters that kind of rhymes water quarters water quarters water quarters, <laughs> water quarters, water quarters. <laughs> uh they're like, <laughs> none of the Aes Sedai are going to come in here, so this is a good place for you to stay so you can, like, avoid the political scheming that all these ladies are going to try to scoop you up and tie you up in. Yeah. We didn't mention earlier, but Nynaeve's been tugging on her braid a good bit. Uh, but this is where Nynaeve challenges Moraine. Yeah, she's like, maybe I'm more of a powerful than you. And Moraine's like, <laughs> child, please. <laughs> <laughs> Moraine does kind of look at Lynn like, you need to leave because I'm about to school somebody. <laughs> so she's like, I know you're you're afraid, which I like. That's definitely what Nynaeve is doing. Like, she's probably just like freaking out internally and she's defensive, putting on like a tough front to try to seem like she knows what she's doing. Well, how intimidating is this? Like the White Tower is probably the single most intimidating place in this entire uh, this reminds world. me of like pulling up to boot camp at like yes Blackland Air Force yeah. Base and being like oh shit I'm in this now huh? yeah like I I kind of like have to go through with this now. you're like I'm in <laughs> I'm in their world now like this is not and I have no ground under my feet <laughs> specifically for Nynaeve we we already know that her mentor came here and was rejected for reasons of being what she thinks was poor and from the two rivers. Yeah, I don't think that is why she was rejected, but we'll find out yeah, later. Exactly. But I'm just saying that's like playing into what Nynaeve is afraid. She's just, yeah. is she, is she worthy? I, I think is what Nynaeve is thinking here, uh, even though she's putting on a feign of arrogance. Well, she's also confidence. like, this is like a very big decision point for her because if she decides to become an Aes Sedai here, then she's turning her back on like everything she's ever known and giving up her responsibility of being wisdom like you can't be asked to die in wisdom at the same time so she's gotta just kind of become a new person really yeah this training takes years and i i don't know that this has really been explained but i don't think it's spoiler to say that the i said i live longer than normal people do yeah so they've mentioned like decades happening yeah so you're gonna outlive all everybody you've ever met all these people are gonna die and you're still gonna be you know relatively young for an Aes Sedai. And Moraine is like, 
listen, you just can't go back. Like, it's not there anymore. You, like, home, yeah. there's no going home from this. It's oh, never going to be the same. Something I liked about this scene uh, that I mentioned to you guys was that Nynaeve asked a yes or no question, and I think she knew what she was doing. Yeah, she, I saw that too. She said to Moraine, if you find them, will you tell me they're here? And Moraine pauses and goes, mm, bitch. Well, let me tell you about how you're afraid. <laughs> well, I think it's funny because this exact scene ends with Moraine saying, and if I find your friends, mine will take you to them. It took her all that time to come up with an answer for that question. Yeah. The first time I heard that, I was also like, oh, you will find if you find my friends, you'll take me to them. But like how long after you find them? That's what I thought. I was like, <laughs> is there a time frame involved? You there? didn't I was say like, I'll take really them hard. to you immediately. You said like, I'll get around to it. Yeah. <laughs> it would have been nice if 90 challenged at the end. You mean immediately? Is that what you meant? <laughs> I was kind of hoping that would happen. That's like what I say to my boss. I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll get that done. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorites is it's on my schedule. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I'll do that next month. That's on my radar. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard about it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, where are we at here? Uh, it's it's kind of tough. So, oh, the other warders are helping step in, prepare for his ring ceremony thing. So yeah. we get this shot of Stepan is putting on white robes, which is the color of funeral, like mourning in the, this world. Yeah. So like here we here we put black on when we go to a funeral, and the wheel of time you put white on. This kind of gives me American tradition vibes for weddings. Uh. They're trying to support him and dress him and like make sure that he's okay to have almost like his day. I think they're all just like really worried about him. So they like want to be with him and supporting him as much as possible because these guys all know that like when your acid dies and the warder lives, like that's usually these guys when that happens will just like suicide charge into like the enemy stronghold or something. And we yeah. kind of saw him try to do that. He definitely yeah, did, he like, did try to berserk. You know, he just made it out. They just happened to like win the battle. Yeah. And and this is yeah, this is the worst thing that can happen to, to somebody basically. Like to a warder. Is, yeah, this is the most heartbroken you can be. A warder, but they also make him very human. Yeah. Well, it's I mean they are, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so uh in this moment he decides to share the story of how he first met cranny apparently he grew up in like an abusive household and he took out a lot of those feelings by just like fighting a lot of people beating up nerds being a bully basically yeah and i was like oh this is a shitty backstory <laughs> so i would go into a bar and i would beat up the tiniest guy there <laughs> i mean that does sound like a good way to get good at fighting <laughs> I mean, First, I'll learn to punch, then I'll fight. <laughs> what I got from this is this guy seems like he kind of like always had depression and was like struggling mentally. Oh, of course, yeah. And for the, sure. the only He's thing that really like kept him going was this bond and this relationship with Karenny. Yeah, he where, had a purpose for a while. Yeah, yeah. He feels totally broken, man. His whole identity has been taken away from him. How did you feel about her buying him a drink? I liked it. It's, yeah, I mean, she was on his level, and she was trying to say that to him, yeah. and he never believed that. 
which is kind of what I yeah. got. Was oh, like, that's a cool. Well, he just like always thought that he was a piece of shit, and she was like, "No, you're not. You're worth something. You're my warden." And when that was taken away you. from him, yeah, I could have had anybody I wanted, but I think you're pretty cool, dude. And he still kind of didn't accept it. Yeah, you're right. So yeah, this guy who always thought that the person he supported in life was better than him is gone. He's a low. Yeah, this is they basically spell it out that his relationship with Krenny is all that he has to live for. Then his his friend tries to lighten the mood by saying, Yeah, my dad used to beat the shit out of me too. He tried to kill me when I was twelve. Yeah. Don't nope. be a bitch. What a terrible thing to say to somebody that's grieving. Like. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think he was just trying to lighten the mood with the joke. I know, like, but just people just, say awkward things like that a lot when they're just for like audience reference. If somebody is grieving, you should not tell your grieving story back. <laughs> I mean, that wasn't a grieving story. I think he was just being like, We all had some problems. Like we can relate to that. He cracks a joke earlier too, right? Like right when we first see him. This guy's name is Yvonne, I think, or is it Maxim? Well, Yvonne yeah, and Maxim are the, are the two, two warders. I can't remember. I believe Maxim's which. the white guy. Okay. <clears throat> the blonde haired guy. All right. So that's pretty much the end of that scene. Uh, then we go up to, this seems like the top well, level of the tower, maybe. Well, we get Land touching his shoulder and him being defensive and saying, what? what? He, he says yeah, something that's rough. True. He says, how about Moraine dies and then you come talk to me? It was like, well, all right, yeah, but it's tough. I mean, I know it's a tough situation for him, but like that was probably hard for Land too. Well, I don't feel like Land shouldn't have said that that early in either. Like, no, Land knows what he's doing, but the guy got defensive. Well, I don't think Land should have said you should bond another Aes Sedai yet. Like, I feel yeah. like that wounds too early. Like, if somebody's wife just dies, you're not like it would have saved after. his life. Land knew it would have saved his life. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, we can't I guess it would have. We would have. Yeah, we know that it would have. Well, we don't know it would have, but Lan's trying to. Lan's the smartest one trying to help him right now. You're right. Uh, and then we get. Him. He just wants to give him like something to live for. Like he knew Karina was what he was living for before, and he's like, "You can have that with somebody else too." Like it doesn't have to be the end of everything. Yeah, I think him joking about getting into their love triangle is pretty funny. Yeah, he's there's like, two I know, of them. He's like, I've never been with a guy before. And then goes, two guys. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not forget. Yeah. Land blew it right there. That was it. That was what blew it. No, so <laughs> the, the next thing I think we get is that Stepin goes and visits Nynaeve because they're both locked in the warders' quarters. No, the next thing we get is the ring ceremony. So uh, they get... Stepping all prepped up and they take him up to pretty much like the top of the tower it seems like like not the very tippy top but probably like the room below the actual roof somewhere pretty high up and they do this cool ceremony where he takes Karina's Karenny's uh gold ring and tosses it into this like uh it's the flame of Tarvalin I think yeah yeah, I mean, I guess it's like it this little be. like lava pit fire Tarangreal thing. It's an eternal flame. Yeah, it's an eternal flame. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, and it seems like there's always molten gold in this. Like he adds her ring into this larger ring of like molten gold. It looks like and I, get, I, I get, assume when a new Aes Sedai is made, they forge it out of that out gold. of that gold. Yeah, so it's I like didn't. a never ending. Wow, I didn't think of that. Yeah, yeah. so it's like the uh, wheel turns. Yeah. yeah. 
lots of circle imagery in that. So you're throwing your mm-hmm. circle into mm-hmm. a bigger circle Ooh. so that the circle of Aes Sedai can continue as the weave turns in a circle or that, as the wheel turns in a circle. I like this. And in this episode, we I think we got a few discussions about reincarnation. Yeah. Yeah, there That's was. That's what gave uh, me those vibes that it's like. Good catch. I love the, that. Yeah, lots of uh, circles on circles. Man, the wheel turns. That's why I have no issue in the show being different from the books because the wheel turns. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, All these things have happened before and will happen again. That's a really easy way to just like let it go. Let it go. Yeah. Stop complaining. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I thought that ceremony was beautiful, man. Yeah. And this is something we got from the teasers as well. I think the fire thing looked a little bit janky, but I wasn't really like that bothered by it. I think. This I saw Smeagol falling. I like this too, um, knowing that he dies later. Like this is his duty. He he feels like he has to do at least this much, and then after that, that's a good point. He feels like he can. Yeah, he owes that much at least. Yeah, uh, Karani. Right. It was yeah. the last thing. Yeah, he's fulfilled his duty now, and he feels like he can pass on. And he does it in like. We talked about this, like kind of a Japanese, what's it called? Uh, harakiri. Harakiri, yeah. Or seppuku, I think. It's, yeah, seppuku, seppuku, right, seppuku. I think there are two names for the same thing, basically. So, uh, you know, he does this in like an honorable way. Like he's, you know, my time is done. I've served my purpose. Well, it had a little bit of, I don't want to call it dishonor, but he goes back to being an alcoholic, which he described that's what he was before. Yeah, yeah nobody's perfect. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's hard to see somebody fall back into the problems they had before their solution. Yeah, it's sad. This guy's a great actor. So after this scene, we get another very emotionally, like, I don't even know if there are words in this scene. I think it says Lan and Moraine, like, looking at each other and Lan, like, kneels in front of her as she's seated in a chair and, like, holds her hand. Yeah. And they both just kind of look at each other like... Fuck, I hope this doesn't happen to us. Yeah. Well, she <laughs> plays the cat paw game where he puts his hand on her arm and she puts her hand on top of his and mm-hmm. the ring is shown. Oh, yeah. And you're my Aes Sedai Moraine. I don't want to melt that ring, dog. Yeah, that's what he was thinking. <laughs> and next we get Stepin is back on the booze, knocking on Nynaeve's door. Yeah, he's pretty clearly walking around like a fifth of whiskey. Yeah. I thought he was coming here to like try to hook up with Nynaeve at first. <laughs> I thought he was going to try and like talk her into being his Aes Sedai or something and yeah. also hook up. But, you know, he did ask he was, about like, her. He seemed like he was just like hammered and he's got like this bottle in his hand and he's like leaning against the wall, yeah. like all casually, like, hey, what's up, Nynaeve? Swag. Maybe- he, got, he gave me dark friend vibes. Like, we've already met a dark friend. And- I didn't get that at all. You said that. Yeah, I didn't think that either. When he stepped into the room almost uninvited and it looked almost like he snuck in, I was. He knocked on the door first, didn't he? No, yeah, they greeted. But the way he came in and was like hiding things and he was ashamed of that he Put was that drinking. bottle behind his back. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think he was just kind of a mess and didn't really feel like showing that off, which is kind of natural. That's definitely the vibes I got, that he was just, you know, a mess. We've also established a few things. Um, This might have already happened when he's uh, praying to the forsaken idols that his mother left behind. That's later, I think. Uh, I love that. Yeah, we also saw the daggers that are on the mantle in his 
uh, apartment or room? Well, let's just like real quick. We can get into that by just saying that he asked Nynaeve for this sleeping uh, aid that she had given him before. Yeah, he says that the grief has given him trouble sleeping because before he goes to sleep, he stops feeling the pain. And that's the only thing that he has left of Kareni, which I thought was like a very heartbreaking thing to say. <laughs> I thought it was supportive, but maybe naive of naive to give him sleeping medicine and then say like, you know, the pain is never going away. Well, this well, sleeping medicine, he can't like kill himself with or anything. Like, I don't think she's wrong to give it to him. This is just like melatonin or something, you know? No, and I think wasn't. that was supposed to be like reassuring that he would like that's he says he doesn't want to let go of the pain so she's like don't worry it doesn't go away and i think that's like an accurate thing to say about grief you know the pain like doesn't really go away you just kind of like grow around the pain i stole that from somebody i don't remember who said that but it's beautiful <laughs> she's still like giving somebody medicine that she shouldn't be i don't know she's Why a not? doctor she's, yeah i mean she's like prescribing medicine this is her job it's just pretty strong i guess I don't think it is that strong. It makes Land fall asleep after he drank a bunch of beers. No, it makes him fall asleep immediately where he was sitting and he forgot like what was going on. I don't think they show it that he falls asleep immediately. Like they're talking, they're bullshit, and they're drinking. Like, do you think Land? It's Land like, it's, sleeps it, on the floor. It's already really late. Like it definitely knocked him out, but like I don't think it was like. Uh, Steppen didn't drink it. I'm just saying I don't think this is like. Some hardcore, like, something. yeah, chloroform type of thing that just, like, knocks you out. I think it just makes you sleepy. Like, Land fell asleep, he was sleepy. Somebody with, uh, this is Dungeons & Dragons here, somebody with the constitution <clears throat> of Land. Does... You don't know Land's constitution scores. That's also, That's like, not a real thing. Like, it's... poison is poison. It doesn't matter, like, how tough you are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it can, if you're ready for it. <laughs> no, he was just, yeah. It... I mean, if you, like, poison yourself in small doses and build up, like, a tolerance to it, you could, like, maybe... Yeah, this isn't Princess Bride. But it's Bride, not like though. he's just going to flex some muscles and be like, not th- poisons. Do you think that uh, Moraine <laughs> I'm a was... barbarian. Do you think Moraine was sitting in her bed with her boots on and was like, oh, land sleepy. I think she was probably already asleep because it's super late. Like, True. They show it. It's supposed to be like, this is the middle of the night almost. Yeah, he did say that his plan was to like pull an all-nighter with Steppen basically to make sure that he didn't kill himself. Yeah, yeah. and he didn't do a good job because Nynaeve gave him sleepy tea. <laughs> yeah. How was Nynaeve supposed to know, though? I mean, yeah, I mean, like, that's what I'm saying. I don't think Nynaeve really did anything wrong here. That's the only point I'm trying to make. Like, it's not like she gave him fucking... It's, she it's didn't not, she give, didn't like, give a drug him... addict heroin. She gave and an alcoholic not... chamomile tea. medicine. Well, I don't think this is something that he could have, like, killed himself with directly, either, which would be, like, the thing no, that she no, was no. I mean, worried about. Yeah, yeah I think, exactly. Like, I just think Lane's going to be pissed. This thing in itself has no inherent risk, like... Other than falling asleep where you're sitting. This is like over-the-counter medicine. That's what I'm trying to say. You don't need a prescription for this shit. Did we skip Moraine and Alana? Uh, I don't think so. Maybe this happens at the same time, pretty much. So the next scene is Nynaeve ignoring Moraine's advice and going for a walk around the White Tower grounds. We left off with Nynaeve giving him the tea, not him taking the tea, or Land taking the tea. So uh, Nynaeve is walking down the hallway and bumps into, of all people, Leandrin, who you would not expect to see in the warder's quarters because she doesn't have a warder. And no reds do. Ever. 
Yeah, this is pretty nicely explained right here. This is some nice world building. Another hat tip to the book readers. Yeah, and I think you also want to be like, if she's not here for a warder, what's she here for? It's got to be naive. I mean, I think anytime you see this woman, you should think suspicion, red alert. Or really any acid, uh, you should assume they're up to something. Like if they'd go out of their way to yeah, do something. Yeah, they're scheming. They, they kind of don't do anything just casually. Yeah. But Leandrin especially. Yeah. Leandrin gives a backstory mm. to how she got into the Isodine, or just at least how she feels about men. Yeah. Which I think is her story. She's just not saying that. That's pretty obvious. Oh, something yeah, that yeah. happened to her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's another tragic story. This episode is tragedy. Yeah. <laughs> it is pretty sad, huh? And comedy yeah. is tragedy. You know, so this is all super funny. Pot on Fane's <laughs> laughing. <laughs> Whistling. <laughs> so... Uh, it seems like this is Leandrin just trying to like get Nynaeve to join the Red Aja, like straight up. Well, and I think it's a little later, but we find out that basically all the Ajas are trying to get her to join. Yeah. She's she's the number one recruit in the NFL draft this year. You know, yeah. The next scene I have after this is I go from Leandrin confronts Nynaeve out in the hall to Leandrin confronts Moraine out in the hall. Yeah, and that's the scene where she's like. Don't you think the yellow will be going for her because her first act of channeling was healing all those people? And Leandrin's like, yeah, but they ain't got shit on the reds. We should mention, though, I think what happens immediately after Leandrin says, if you go this way, you'll go to the library. And if you continue, go to the gardens. The next scene is where Loyal takes Nynaeve to Rand. Yeah. So what's on Nynaeve's mind is not the Aes Sedai. She's like, I'm here for for my family. Exactly. Yeah, so she, like, where it happens off screen, but she goes and wanders around the gardens and runs into Loyal, who has permission to be on the tower grounds. And Loyal's like, hey, you got a braid, huh? <laughs> I just ran into this big redheaded Ayilman that said he was from the two rivers. Yeah. <laughs> it is funny that he was actually, like, looking for Egwene, but he was just like, braid, braid. Yeah. <laughs> I love him. He's great. But to jump back to this storyline, what you were saying is, Leandrin walks up on Moraine and we see a couple whites go by. White Aja or novices? Novices. novices. Yeah. Sorry. Yes. I forgot there was a white Aja. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Nynaeve, I mean, Leandrin confirms that she's after Nynaeve, obviously. And the next scene we get is Stepin back in his room and he's like praying to these little statues, kind of. We're not praying to them. Warding them off? Yeah, I got this as kind of like a voodoo ceremony where like the voodoo gods are kind of like yeah. bad. And you have to like make offerings to like protect yourself from them. Right. So they don't fuck with you. Right. Also, I don't know if we're supposed to connect the heads we saw earlier in the episode to these that were carved into those cliffs. I don't think so. Yeah, I'm I think just, that's unrelated. Okay. It's just like we're seeing a lot of that kind of like there's, ancient carving crap. Yeah, but there, the, the, crap. there's ones mm, on the cliffs. <laughs> there's ones on the cliffs just didn't really have enough features to like be related to anything. They're just kind of like smiley it's, faces. Yeah, they look silly. <laughs> it's the wrong number too. There was only like three of those faces on the cliff. I'm not sure if that would have any relation. That's interesting though. It's, I mean, those. Faces are definitely like something cool. Like, I wonder if later we'll get something from the producers and say, like, these are from the Age of Legends or something, you know? Yeah. 
So uh, these things that Stepan is making offerings to, these are statues of the Forsaken, who are very important figures in the uh, lore, I guess, of Wheel of Time. So I don't want to get into too many details because I feel like the show is going to selectively reveal on this. But suffice to say that these are equivalent to like archdemons or something like that. Like in Christian mythology, you have like yeah, a lot of them are even named after Beelzebub, and I mean one of them looks like the 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 dream guy. Yeah, I mean the one the one like looks exactly Morpheus. Is that what you mean? Uh, I'm not sure. What do you mean? Like if they name them or? What dream guy are you talking about? The guy with the red eyes, the the jackal. Oh, okay, yeah, that's a good pickup. Yeah, I think one of them does actually look like that guy. Oh yeah, it's like one of the ones to the far right. It's like the second or third one, kind of <laughs> looks like him. And we hear he says he's praying to Ishamael specifically. Yeah, uh, which is the name that we hear earlier from the barkeep, the in... father of lies. Yeah, yeah, the barkeep does actually talk about him a lot. She's like, he's the one that brought the dragon to us last time, and yeah. we talk about his name. Mm-hmm. 3,000 years later. So, and and he is kind of the most powerful of the Forsaken. So, I, I would, you could say, like, Forsaken are direct, directly worshipping these figures as, like, angels, kind of, almost. I mean, I think you could say that they're, like, the 12 apostles of... The Dark One? The Dark One, basically. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 13, though. Right, because that's, you know... Well, actually, there, I think there are, like, eight statues here, so I don't know if they're changing the number for the show or not. Sure, but I like it. Still applies, you know. These are his chosen, chosen. Uh, <laughs> yeah, his chosen, chosen, his chosen representatives. These are his generals. They are the his force in the real world. Uh, That's probably about as far as we're yeah, yeah. We yeah. shouldn't go too much. Well, so Land in this scene is kind of like putting his. It seems like Land is just trying to get his hands on this guy the whole episode. I don't know. To comfort him? He touches him the entire episode. He puts his hand on his shoulder twice, and then at the end, he touches him again. Do you remember if it was his left or right shoulder? Oh, (laughs) my gosh. That's something we have to rewatch now. I'll have to check that. Um, Nobody knows what that means. Well, Jay, could you explain it quickly? That's an an in-joke between the three hours points. Mm. (laughs) Well, we can give it up. Mm. I mean, get it going. Mm. It's, It's honorable to touch your right shoulder. It's dishonorable to touch your left shoulder. So we always go around trying to slap each other's left shoulders. Yeah, it's it's kind of like it's a, a fight game. thing. It's like yeah, shadow box. But when you shoulders. need to support your friend, <laughs> you touch him on the right. Yeah. Uh. So, yeah, Lane's been touching this guy the entire episode to try and support him, and he's like, "Hey, why don't you knock off this silly crap?" <laughs> he kind of does say that, right? He's like, <laughs> "Hey, this is kind of like not worth doing, but maybe it is." Didn't work for Stepan, I suppose. So tragic. Yeah, poor Stephen. Poor Stephen. Yeah, uh, so then I think we cut to a scene where Alana and Maureen are lying in bed together, but they're fully clothed, and Maureen is wearing boots still. Yes. This is in Maureen's room. I think that Alana is eating an apple, and I thought that they missed an opportunity to eat a persimmon because... uh, it was said earlier in the episode. Yeah, that, the persimmons are blooming. Is that a fruit? I don't know what a persimmon yeah, mm-hmm. is. <laughs> yeah. Melissa actually told me that she had her first one today, but it's it's basically like it feels like a tomato, but tastes like a sweet fruit when it's ripe. Oh, huh, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, I think Eastern, it's like in Asia, maybe. Uh, cool. But 
So Alana's not wearing her boots. They're in front of the bed. I feel like they made this like a point of it. Yeah, I think it. they're trying to make it almost seem like Moraine has relationship history with like several of these Aes Sedai, I think. I'm yeah. not feeling that. I think it says like in one of the previews that her and Leandrin have like a close relationship of some kind. Where that they have a history together. I think maybe like the, everybody's at least trying to like seduce Moraine. I feel like yeah, I think this green is trying to seduce her, but I don't think they've had relations before. I think like Leandrin is flirting in a way too, like in their interactions. Like, well, they're also saying like Moraine, you're never here. Oh my gosh, you're never here. Well, Moraine is a big deal. She's one of the most powerful channelers in the whole tower. She's super mysterious. She's one of the most influential blues. I think there's a lot of rumors that she might be the leader of the blues. Either. She's related to Kyrian and royalty. Yeah, like she's a big deal, man. Moraine is a very mysterious, important person, and there's a lot of rumors around her. So Alana is cutting this apple up and kind of trying to talk Moraine into giving, spilling the beans. She's really trying to get her to spill the beans. Yeah, and they talked about in the last episode that Kareni had, like, put her up to, like, using their personal relationship to pry information out of Moraine. Yeah, she tries to bring up this story about Moraine having this dog that wasn't her dog, and they're trying to call in their their younger days. Uh, And now it seems like she's trying another angle. It's pretty obvious this woman's trying to get information. She couldn't go for the old friend's angle successfully, so now she's trying for the uh, pillow friend's angle. Nice. (laughs) And Moraine kicks her boots up on her own bed and is like, (laughs) get the fuck out of my room. She's like, I never sleep in this fucking piece of shit anyhow. (laughs) That's true. She's like, I'm not sleeping here. I'm going to go hide in the corner. Earlier, she says, I live in my saddle. These boots are my home. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Oh, so that makes the her keeping her boots on even, even yeah. more. Yeah. Uh, this is like a theme that is well. happening within the White Tower, I think we'll find out, is that they like to stay there too much. They should be out in the world that they're like running more. Yeah. So Maureen to them is like a real oddity that she's actually out like getting shit done. <laughs> They're like, why aren't you playing politics in the tower? Why are you out there like helping people? Well, nobody has any idea what she's doing. They don't think she's helping people. They have no freaking clue. Yeah, that's true. She's been gone. She got, she's one of the youngest people ever to be an Aes Sedai, right? Yeah, and she basically... And then as soon as she made it, she just disappears. With, she just left again, yeah. With, so La- Maureen is a very mysterious person. We can just leave it at that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we accidentally spoiled something there. It's not going to be Just smooth. bleep that out. <laughs> I, I might be able to bleep it out. But so Moraine ends this conversation with, are you going to like eat in my fucking bed? Get out. <laughs> and Moraine looks at a art ornament, art artwork on the wall. Yeah, it seems to be Moraine like looking through a series of doorways. Like, I don't know what the significance is of this at all. Like, That's honestly, a re- repeated picture. She looks like she's shocked to be seeing it yeah i feel like this is some sort of relic or something this thing has some sort of so we're book readers and we're confused no but yeah it's... i don't know what that is at all yeah i don't know what it is either but I, i've it's got <clears throat> vibes for me it's got magical they clue, vibes it's for important me. for something like they lingered on it for a while so. yeah yeah this is very important and then do we i'm sorry do we go to land and 
Yeah, then it goes back to land and Steppen pulling an all-nighter. So Steppen is like, bring some tea, and as he's talking, he's like, I don't know, man. Like, I've never been with a man before. And Lan's like, two men? Two men. <laughs> I thought at first Lan was saying that he's been with two men. Like, he was saying, like, oh, you haven't done that? Yeah, <laughs> I, I thought the same thing. You have been tag team before? <laughs> <laughs> Never have I ever. Uh, so, yeah, it seems like Stepan is considering this proposal that he bond with uh, Alana. And I think he's just kind of telling Lan what he wants to hear. Yeah, Lan definitely thinks that he's like getting talked into it. Yeah. He thinks they're working things out. Well, but really, this guy's just like drugging him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's staring at Lan drinking the tea, but he also switches the conversation back towards Lan. Soup, soup, soup. First set up. Yeah. He's like, how about that wisdom? Yeah. He asks about the wisdom. Yeah. And we've established also in this episode that Nynaeve eats at the warder's uh, fire pit each night. Yeah, because she, she's trying to talk to Stepan, right? And she also hates Aes Sedai. Yeah. And I think it's also important here to note that Lan seems like he does have feelings for Nynaeve, but he also is like Projecting apprehensive about like actually being in a relationship because he knows like having seen... Kareni just died now that like shit could happen pretty shit could go bad like any second and I don't know if that's like a cool thing to be in a relationship when that's the kind of life you lead yeah I think also it goes into fuck what was I going to say Steve is high <laughs> Did you see me pulling my microphone out? That uh, that's actually out? why I stuttered. Yeah, I figured. Um, you were like, touch, touch. And, and Jake, touch. <laughs> Don't <Man>. touch it. <laughs> I was like, Zach's is not really far as mine do it. <laughs> oh, yeah. It goes far. Yeah, it's just we it. need almost like sandbags. They're like not heavy enough, yeah. which is crazy because they're heavy as yeah. fuck. This is heavy too, though, huh? Talking about how heavy things are. <laughs> yeah. Right. She's so heavy. So Stepin switches it back on Lan and he says, how are you feeling about Nynaeve? And he kind of rejects the idea that she should fall in love with him. He's like, yeah, that's, that might be better advice because I'm probably going to die. Oh, and I know <clears throat> what I was going to say. It was that, you know, it doesn't seem like this happens often that uh, I said I'd die. This is a lot of people seem to not understand what Stepan is going through. Lan is trying his best. You really don't die very often. Exactly. But yeah. that's a change for the times. Volta has killed seven of them, though. True. True. And, oh, and we didn't mention this, but uh, Egwene grabbed all of the rings that Volta had. Yeah, and I think that's I don't know going. If I, I saw that. That's going to be important later, I think. Yeah, yeah, she grabs on the way out of the tent. Okay. Um, I I do think they probably try to keep that under wraps, though. We'll kind of find out that the tower's kind of conniving and tries to. They're, they're their best PR agent, right? Yeah, we well, yeah. You can't go too deep into that right now. We can do <laughs> that in the book spoilers. So yeah, basically, 
we get a transition to uh, a shot of like nighttime in Tarvalon and it transitions to like the sun coming up. This shot though, hold on, like I gotta simmer on this shot for a little bit. Nighttime in Tarvalon is gorgeous. Yeah, it, it is, is beautiful. Really cool. Very little, like, clean. Firelights. Uh, you hear dogs barking, but you don't see them. I love, <laughs> I love um, that they made. I, I like that they made. Dragon Mountain Volcano, and it's an active volcano. You can kind of see a little bit of lava coming off of it out there in the distance. I think but... they talk about like wisps of smoke coming off of it. They every do once in a while in the books. The the lights in the city. This these shots of Tarvalon are beautiful, man. This is really selling it for me. This is some of the best stuff I've seen so far out of this show. Yeah, I mean, it's easier to get away with it when things are dark. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, but I think it'll look good in the daytime too. And I love the two shots next to each other. Yeah, true. I'd love to see more of this in the show to show time passing because what you get is hours of time. Like the sun doesn't shoot up in a second, right? Right. So you get to see the light coming into the town and it waking up. And I, I think that would be a good time movement thing. That shot was beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Showing the sunrise like that, just sitting in this road. And then the sun coming in through the window the where yeah. Lan is waking him up. He's like, oh, the sun's in my eyes. This like, is what I mean. Like, he was drugged. Th- this is a place where I really noticed the scores. They're like, bad shit. This. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I Slow mean, he's drugged, but like, you could have knocked him out with like a lot of strong alcohol, probably. And like, I don't know. They didn't give him like anything super dangerous, I don't think. Right. It was a problem. <laughs> yeah so he wakes up and he's like oh shit we're stepping and he goes over to the desk and sees that he's been drugged and then he looks over and sees the daggers missing so he's like running out of the room and i can like i didn't i didn't think that Stepan Stepan was like a whole journey for me like i hated him in episode four because he just came off as a little bit corny sometimes some dumbass axes man. man those axes really ruined it for you guys it didn't ruin it for me i, I was like I like that scene where they were practicing. It just showed that they knew how to I, I know, I know. I like the dialogue, but like he just looked silly with those stupid axes. Swords would have been better. It was just distracting. So like once you didn't have them, I wasn't distracted by how <laughs> silly they were. <laughs> you just you saw this. And like this this guy was not in the books and like I kind of just expected him to die immediately, like after Cranny died. Me too. So, like, I knew that he was probably going to be, like, fated to die. But then I also, like, got super attached to him over the course of this episode because this actor was so good. What's his name? Did we have that pulled up? No. I don't. Something that was up. spoiled by the teasers was after we saw the funeral at the beginning, we we then knew that, like, somebody else was going to die. Yeah. Because of the white shirts. I will say I almost hoped he was going to die in, like, the Warder battle rage. Just so we could see that, but the way they did it was actually better. Yeah, the blood rage showed consequences for others more than him. Yeah, Peter Fronson is the actor that plays Stepan. Is he like Icelandic or something? I almost his accents. Well, thanks, Peter, for tuning unique. in and listening. But we think you did a really good job. Yeah, yeah, good job, buddy. I told him that on Twitter. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. Uh. So well, I forget what we were talking about. Well. It goes just to this is like Lan where, running up. Yeah, we see Lan run up on him, and he's like kneeling on the ground, like he just oh, yeah. opened his own guts. Like, well, at first, I think, I think we know he's dead, right? But I think the way he's kneeling, we can almost assume that Lan just thinks he might be like. He doesn't I, like know for sure. I thought it was good. Matt. 
the first time I saw it. Oh, I was, really? I was like, oh, it looked dirty mat. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think you're supposed to think at the beginning here that he's just kneeling in front of this warder statue that got talked about earlier. Yes. Uh, and then you see the blood on the floor and you know. Yeah. And Lane kind of goes, he did it correctly. Yeah. Damn. It jumps straight to the funeral. This was sad. You got to do way longer. <laughs> Tune into our Dune episode if you want more of this. So, uh, culture. I thought this. <laughs> funeral scene was like great to start uh it was really interesting it seems like lan is somehow like the designated griever for this group and they're kind of like the warders don't have like a magical bond between them like the ice that i do so they're not like literally channeling their grief through him but this is cool though i like you guys are military i mean is there some sort of brotherhood that you feel kind of in that situation well yeah. yeah But just the the uniqueness of this ceremony that they would pick like a griever, uh, and he's the one that visibly shows his emotion while everybody else kind of does this little like vibe with him pounding their chests. Uh, and man, Daniel Headley, Henny, Henny, like you're like you're drinking the Henny. Yeah, it is. Sorry, Dan. Sipping fine. <laughs> uh. He tastes good in my mouth in this scene, man. It's delicious. It was beautiful. Uh, it's one of the best screams I've ever yeah. uh, heard on screen. The Rosamund Pike, too, like as they're looking at each other and she's like crying too, and her face is like quivering. She nails it. Yeah. She's watching him just I'm like, oh, feel that's, that pain. That's and, an Oscar nominated actress. Well, and she has to be <laughs> feeling his pain too, huh? I thought he had an Oscar nominated performance. You know, I, I really, man, he killed it. It went over the top, I think, in like the last five seconds. Yeah. But it was like so fucking good up until then. <laughs> when he pulls the shirt up and they really lost me. The, I just want to say that I cast above. my vote for I like that. I liked him Steve exposing his chest. more shirt off. I well, didn't, like, he went through the it. trouble of shaving it. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> maybe he doesn't have body hair, Steve. Sure. It felt like biblical to me. And I don't know, like a, it just didn't feel awesome. I, I mean, he's being I, I said this word over and over. He's vulnerable and he's in front of everyone being this vulnerable. And he's just like, like it exposing felt- himself almost as like, fuck. I think we can like safely say that in the book, this is like a huge departure from Bookland. Bookland is like a rock that never shows any emotion ever the entire time. But I could see in the circumstances like this, where if he was the one chosen to channel the grief, that he would do this kind of thing. I don't don't think he would be like tearing his clothes apart and screaming. Like it's kind of like Roland dancing the Kamala. We see some terrible shit happen to Lan like throughout the series, and like the most he ever does is like blink a little bit because he's never (laughs) been he's never been chosen specifically to express emotion. I mean, yeah, maybe. You're right, though. This is a huge diversion from the. I like it. Yeah, yeah. I don't hate. I it. feel like Bookland would be like super boring to watch on screen because he's just right. like standing there, a, a rock that erodes rain away, yeah. not saying anything. And and it didn't play the same way to me, Steve. Like I thought, the close-up shots of him screaming were so personal and visceral that when they pulled away to that 
above shot and showed it, but I felt like I was disconnected from his emotion. It was hard for me to not imagine Darth Vader in uh, <laughs> Revenge of the Sith. <laughs> like when he finds out Padme is dead, he's like, no. That is not a fair comparison because that no is terrible. And his, <laughs> his screams were like, it was just very melodramatic. Emotional. And that's it. Cut to black. That's so the end of the episode. If his chest was bruised from him hitting it, and then he opened it and like you saw that, would that have that would have been a cooler moment? Okay. Yeah. I like that. He did shave his chest though, so we could see it. And I just want you guys to appreciate it. I don't think he did. I don't think he has chest hair. All right. Maybe we can add, I mean he's listening. He can just tweet Maybe out he's like native or something. I don't know. I have like interacted with Daniel Henney's parents on Twitter. They're pretty awesome. What? I mean, they're I'm Shout sure out to they're the OG to. Hennies. Yeah. I guess I shouldn't even say interacted. We like liked each other's tweets. Hell yeah, that's an interaction if I've ever heard. <laughs> you're basically best friends. I bet you're on their Christmas card list next year. Uh I did underline chest out as the as my last note. So yeah, I think this is the end of the episode and book spoilers. Yeah, I'm ready. Uh if you haven't read the books, we're gonna talk about Spoilers for maybe all 14 books here. I don't know what's going to come up. We just like to free ball it. So uh, turn off the show if you have not read the books. So I guess the biggest book spoiler is that they actually go to Targolin. How is that a book spoiler? They never, because went, they never go out they there do. in the first book. Oh, yeah. You're right, huh? They go to Camelin uh, and we meet Elaine. Waygate from there. Oh yeah, because they meet. They meet um, loyal in Camelin, and he talks about at the, the Queen's uh, blessing. At the Queen's blessing. And man, the Ogier dude! I wanted to talk about the Ogier so much during that episode. They're aliens, right? And and you I've kept talking about you kept talking about it that that Star Trek you felt a Star Trek vibe and I yeah. was like they are aliens he he wrote <laughs> them as aliens. I have heard that before. Is that real? Yeah, yeah. I thought he admitted to that. That's oh, yeah. what, that's what like when uh, what is it, the old guy's name? Harum or something. The one that uh, Loyal looks up to and is like the most tenured ogre guy or whatever. That's his, oh, yeah, gran- yeah, yeah. That's his uh, grandfather. Yeah. Well, when they have like the great meeting of the stump, I guess we can say, if I don't remember that guy's name, they're like, should we like open the book of translation or should we like stay here and fight with the humans in the last battle? Yeah, but- that's another really like Lord of the Rings elf vibe thing that I got. Yeah, because they can leave or stay to yeah. hell. The book of translation is like the thing that like opens a portal back to their home world, basically. <laughs> I was just thinking about how naive is going to like just walk into traps. What are you doing there? Just slowly falling. You see it? Yeah, because it's heavy as fuck, and it's, you have had ex- extended the entire way. Why is it there like grooves on this or something to keep it from slipping? Because it's less poor, than two hundred bucks. Poor manufacturing design. <laughs> So, also, uh, this thing that Moran says about the last embrace of the mother, I thought that was weird. I don't think that Kareni is uh, Shinarin. Yeah, are we supposed to think she's Shinarin? Neither is Moran. I guess she could be. I don't know. She doesn't... I mean, why don't you think she's Shinarin? I don't think we've been given any... We We saw Shinarins in the trailer, and they looked like Asian, kind of, so I don't know. 
Yeah, I mean, it's a weird thing to just throw in. We're getting a lot of culture shock in this episode. Like, they're just throwing, like, a lot of culture at us. Yeah. And we still have no Elias. Uh, I don't know if we're gonna to at this point. I think like, we might get him now. I almost feel like we're gonna get him next episode. I don't think this season, like, if he shows up, it'll be next season. Well, Perrin has to get back with them in, like, either the next episode or the one after. I guess they could see him in the blight because he used to be a warder. Maybe they're going to show that. No, he's at Tarvalon. He's at. He's there now. He's going to meet them now. What do you? Okay. How about this? What do we think? Full spoilers will happen in the next episode. I think we're going to get that scene in the Hall of the Tower where uh swan is like reprimanding all the eyes to die that were involved in the logan thing yeah do you think we get the snow this episode and like at the very end we learn about rand and I then think, the entire seventh episode is talking about rand i think the blood snow will be in the seventh episode that's what i was thinking too it'll be the second to last we'll get we'll get all of the rand like full like all the veils will be pulled and we'll know everything there is to know about rand being a dragon oh because of mint and then the last episode will probably just be like full on action. Like I don't know if we're gonna get Min. No, we do. We absolutely oh, do. She's cast. Huh? Yeah, yeah. She's in two episodes. I yeah. think she is in the last two, probably. Hmm. Not this one, and then the next one. The rumor on the streets is that she is Shinar in in this version. Oh, okay. Rumor on the streets. <laughs> <laughs> Where the hell are you going for these rumors, huh? Terrible. We're going to Tarvalon. Tarvalon. Uh, what else do we got? Do we get uh, Tom back, maybe? <laughs> um, <laughs> next episode, maybe. I don't know if he's coming back this season, guys. Oh, that's cool. I could deal with that. Like, he comes back next season. That makes sense. So, he's... yeah. Uh, let's see. Oh, so. Loyal didn't notice that Rand had a Aaron Mark sword, and I thought yeah, that was silly. Yeah, and he also thought that Rand was an Aielman, but he didn't uh, mention anything about him holding a sword, which Aiels are not allowed to do. Right, and they he would totally it. know that. I mean, an Aielman would like never do that. Yeah, but it was still nice to get Loyal the way if he did. Aiel holds swords in this show. Mm-hmm. I will. Go to the Amazon headquarters <laughs> and burn it to the ground. I mean, don't say That's that. That's a big conclusion to jump to. Yeah. On, like, I mean, Loyal was just like, how many things can he say at once, I guess? All of them. <laughs> yeah, he did say a lot. But, um, Jeff, we're not going to do that. Just don't listen to Jake. Sorry, Jeff. I got a little worked up. Oh, so there was a Dune reference uh, at one point during our... Really? I didn't catch that. Um, or it was like it was taken from Dune. It had something to do. Oh, the Corinthian cycle. So we have like self-fulfilling prophecy. We as book readers know that Rand learns about what his prophecy is and he goes to do it because somebody has to. I don't I don't really know what his motivation is in the books, but well, Moraine tells him he's a dragon reborn. She's like, yeah, you need to do this shit. Well, we haven't. I get, well, yeah, once we he's convinced there. that he is the dragon, like he just like knows that he has to, or else everybody's gonna die. Yeah, he like spends some time out in the wilderness, and he's like, "I guess I gotta go take Tear over." Yeah. <laughs> well, no, it, that whole the second book Everybody we barely get. Married. We barely get Rand. That's the third book, I think. Oh, okay. Where he's like, 
He's very prominent in the Great Hunt. Yeah. And he disip- oh, you're right. And wait, so the third book is the one that starts with Perrin in the snowy woods? Yeah, the Dragon Reborn. Oh, I thought that's how you're right. That's not how the Great Hunt starts. That's the Dragon Reborn. Right. right. I love that that opening. But man, the Great Hunt is so good too. That's gonna be a really exciting second season for this show. Oh, I'm like halfway yeah. through the Great Hunt right now. Yeah. Are you like rereading? I think I'm gonna stop after the second one until like next season. That's what I thought too. I have a lot of other books I want to read. Ten books of, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's tough. It's tough to read everything. It's just so cathartic, man. It's such a comfortable universe to be in. Like, I feel like once you've read a series that you really like. It's... And there's so much of it that, like, you, like, forget, like, at least half of it. Yeah, like, yeah. So you, it's like you're reading a new thing again. Oh, I really enjoy <laughs> I really enjoy rereading books. Especially with all the names. And that's, I was talking to you guys about how it was much better to get Volda to be pissed at Egwene and Perrin for hurting him than just a couple of jabroni white cloaks who died yeah, at Perrin's uh, hands. I guess that's the thing that we should mention that Perrin didn't kill anybody himself in this. Like he None. kills like three white cloaks or something in the books when they have this confrontation. Pretty brutally with the help of wolves. Yeah. And his big old axe. I think Hopper dies in that scene. He does, yeah. Bro, if we don't get fucking Hopper I think we got go, I think we've seen him already. I'm going to go to the Amazon headquarters. <laughs> Jeff, I'm, I swear to God, he won't. <laughs> oh, so how about some Forsaken? Yeah, we saw a bunch of Forsaken. Uh, I didn't count them. I knew I was like, I should count those. <laughs> I think there were eight of them. I didn't count them myself. But I, think I, it, I did the same thing. I was like, how many of those are there? <laughs> I thought it both times I watched that it. That is something that like we've been wondering about is if they're going to do all the Forsaken because a lot of them are kind of they like trash. <laughs> yeah, they can't do them all. They don't need to. Yeah, I keep telling myself like 13 is important that there's 13 of them and I'm like, why really? So they can just be like an unlucky number. Yeah. <laughs> That's not really like a super relevant piece. No, of no, I, I was happy to get that many, don't you think? The, all of those were very specific to the characters. Yeah, yeah but, I definitely saw uh, Grendel. I definitely saw Ishamael. Well, they named Ishamael, so we know he's there. Right. I saw Samael. Uh, Grendel. Baphomet? I think I saw a guy in a mask, yeah. So that would be Balthamel, right? Yeah. Um, there's a Mogadine. spider. Mogadine. Yeah. Mogadine, Mogadine. I don't remember which way you're supposed to pronounce it. Who's uh? What's the guy's name? Jason Ateo. Asmodian. Asmodian. Oh, was he there? Did, did you see him he, in there? I don't think so. I didn't notice him there. That'll be an interesting cut. Did we get Elaine's mother's lover? Ravine. 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 <laughs> yeah, that was funny. Well, so how are we gonna? Who's who is Rand gonna fight in the city? I don't know that. Like Robin definitely wasn't in there. Almost any of the Forsaken, though, like you could interchange any of them doing almost any of those events, right? Well, like, who's he gonna battle at Sean or Logan then? I'm not saying it's gonna be him or anybody, like it could, you know, they're kind of interchangeable. Like, don't cross the screen, it could be Samael. I mean, yeah, he, he doesn't have to battle Osmodian in Roideon, it could be Lanfear or I don't know, like, it could be Lanfear. It's tough. It would be nice if there was less like killing and resurrecting of the Forsaken because that kind of got like tiresome. I think as the, it's really confusing. Uh, I mean, even on my second time through, I'm having a hard time keeping up with 
like all the Forsaken. They made it. They were like, if you don't nuke them, they come back. They're like, this guy's got this lady's soul in a box, and this lady is named the same thing almost as this lady. Uh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> and now this lady is a dude, or I mean, this dude's a lady. Uh, yeah, and they're all changing names like all the time. Yeah. I think that's something cheat that happened in this episode is they specifically kept it to the warders' quarters so that they didn't have to put Aes Sedai on the screen. Yeah, that's a good point. Like you were complaining about not enough people on screen. There was no Aes Sedai. Why? Because they were in the warders' quarters. Oh, man, there's just not enough people in this show. I know. It'll get better. <laughs> Even like you guys were saying that the scenes in Tarvalant were more filled out. And I'm like, I challenge you to show me like 30 people. I know. In well, one. I was actually going to say when you see the cut of Matt slinking through the street, there's only six people who really go by. Yeah. Like they're like, this is a crowded city but really like if there's a dozen people that was in like a back alley though i know it's just but even on the main roads and they show these big there were a shit ton of people like when logan was going by count them there's 30 people on screen i don't think there's 30 when they show like a comparative scene i would say would be like i don't know like cersei getting drugged through that was a lot of people uh yeah they're like hundreds i pictured like 20 people deep yeah like a bunch of people standing there watching the, like there's just like a couple of people showing up What's going on these people are civilized jake like this would be like a, this would be like a huge event like when stuff like this happened in like medieval settings like people were bored as fuck like motherfuckers turned out for this kind of thing and also this is like pretty much never happened before the false dragon coming through like this yeah, right. Pretty rare. Every couple of years, I think they have one like not as successful as Logan. Logan's one of the most successful ones. Yeah, for they're a not. Long they time. can't always actually channel either. And yeah. word should have come that the king is dead. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, this, like this should be a way bigger deal than it is. And I, again, I understand there's COVID restrictions. I thought I saw a lot of people like in this. You did like pause it. <laughs> We're gonna threaten the yeah. shit out of you, Zach. No, I. <laughs> it just I, I know what it is, and it's that it can't happen so you know they're doing the best they can and i thought it was great so um i'm just good saying, job like, guys. Extra, extras don't cost that much money like based on people who stand there yeah i mean they should cost a lot of money though. covid lawsuits cost a lot of money yeah we need to finish this fucking episode right, we, we, uh, <laughs> so is there any other book spoilers you guys want to talk about uh, we already talked about emotional land. I did want to talk about um, loyal, some more loyal stuff. So he says that, you know, nobody's ever seen an ogre before, but in Tarvalon they would have seen ogre. People would I don't have think seen they ogres. Like not, not as yeah, often. It's like it's it's a thing in the book. Yeah, but he would. It's have been... also a thing that they don't see them in the book. In Tarvalon they do because there's like a whole Mason scale that like rotates so there, in and out and of there. Camelon there is too, and like everybody is shocked to see him in Camelon. I think it's just a, even less a behind closed really. doors type of thing. It's like, you know, they're secretive. No. <laughs> I mean, they're they're in the castle, dude. People don't go to the castle. The whole city of Tarvalon, though, is like Ogier built. That's the point. Like, Not like the... Yeah, the shops, the inns, everything. I don't think so. Yeah. Well, yes. we're going to have to challenge you on that, Jake. To the death. Look it up. I don't believe that. All right, so how do you guys want to close this? With any predictions? With me being right it? about Ogre <laughs> I think, like, the White Tower and the walls are Ogre built. I guarantee you, like, not every, like, flea bottom in is, like, fucking Ogre built, dude. That's, like, a whole plot point. 
Yeah, I think we talked about all the book spoilers we need to talk about, so why don't we just call that a wrap for the show? Uh, Thanks for joining us, guys. We can't wait to see next week's episode. Looking forward to a lot of action in that one, so we'll be here again next Saturday with our reaction to that one. We are the Three Rivers Boys. I'm Zach. It says Tarvalon was built by the Ogier, not just the White Tower. On the Wheel of Time wiki. I'm and just, I'm Steve. I'm just like... <laughs> 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 I'm Jake, I guess. But... I mean, Camelon was built by the Ogier, too. And not, like, every single book he came It's like a thing that the inns and stuff are, like, crazy. Like, when you're in an alley, it's all, like, beautiful baller. Like, Tarvalon's crazy looking. We'll see. Uh, thanks for joining us for the Three Rivers Boys. That's uh, at Three Rivers Boys. Three spelled out. Bye. <laughs> bye. Read, read, we like, more, we like read more books. Yeah. <laughs>